episode 200. Ooh. Congrats. <laughs> Congratulations, episode 200. Is this how you imagined it would, uh, it yeah, would go down? Yeah, I, I, I had no visions of doing 200 episodes when I started this thing, so we're there. We're double the amount I expected to do, and in very different form. So, like, on your 200th episode, can you reflect back on highlights? Highlights? Yeah. Well, I, I guess one of the biggest highlights is just moved to London. That's got me part of the reason why I'm here is part of the podcast, uh, part of the reason's um, job. And, uh, yeah, moved to London. So I had a little bit of a thing last night about what I could say at the start of the podcast. Moving to London and during the pandemic and all that, that's a scary thing. And I wanted this to be a bit of... I want to look back on this podcast in the future, episode 200, it's going to be, wow, this big part of my life. And um, yeah, so I made a few notes anyway. Uh, so the first week of review of living in London, uh, coronavirus is still raging throughout London and, and the world. <laughs> um, hopefully not for much longer, but probably another year. Um, what do you think about that at the moment? What's your situation with it? How, are you thinking, how, how long do you think it's going for? Well, I, I think I was kind of resigned to feeling that it's going to be here for another couple of years, maybe. Uh, that's like my worst case scenario. But I also, like you probably noticed, like around London, you know, a lot more people have adapted to it. And a lot more people are aware of it. Um, it obviously puts it puts plans, you know, like in, in an awkward position. You can't really make plans around it. Yeah. But as long as you're healthy... You can still work, you keep yourself occupied, you're looking after yourself, then that's what I think is more important, really. Yeah, I think the mental health part of it is um, probably the biggest part of this virus, or anything, apart from, for the people that aren't getting ill, is uh, how do you keep yourself sane, like indoors all the time and not going out as much, not seeing people as much, pubs closing now as well early, um, they moved the football time as early, so that's good. Um, yeah, strange one, but uh, we're adapting, and mm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how long this goes on for, and hopefully... No one uh, that I know mm. gets it badly. Uh, although Yakub and Millie obviously would be on the podcast, but um, couldn't make it into London. Yakub might actually have the virus, so hopefully not. Um, and Millie uh, couldn't get in because of travel. Obviously, it's pretty unsafe to come into London right now anyway. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, well, with winter creeping in as well, like what you yeah. just said then, you know, it's kind of worrying because, like, how do people occupy themselves? Because during lockdown, like the earlier lockdown, we had nice weather. Yeah, People could go outside and there was... There was an air of like, oh, this is kind of novel. So people were getting into things like baking, yeah, yoga, yeah, yeah. home workouts. Everyone's binned it off now, though. They? They've kind of binned it off, yeah. Although <laughs> I've still kept to some things. Like, I've still been meditating. So I've been practicing meditation oh, nice. a lot. And I'm still reading. Lots of people took up, you know, I know it sounds really stupid, but loads of people are like, oh, I don't read books normally. And they mm. took up reading. So I kind of think it will be harder in the winter because it gets darker earlier. But you assume that there might be some good TV to catch up on maybe, but okay. then eventually then people get sick of watching TV. Like I'm sick of TV now. Like I hardly, like I haven't even been watching any football. Like I told you earlier, yeah, yeah. that's kind of weird for me. I think maybe spending so much time on screens has finally got to me. Yeah. The sc- yeah. Screen time's a big one in 2020. We were talking about before, but we're having a lovely, um, lovely brunch. That was very nice. Thank you. Bought by Gio. Uh, yeah, my welcome good. to London. Well, yeah. welcome back, I guess. <laughs> because when I moved to London, I remember the, the day I moved into the flat with my housemate and such, I unpacked everything. And then I was like, crap, I need to go meet Mark. We're doing this football thing, <laughs> like this football event. So that was my first day 
uh, moving into London. So it's good that it's kind of kind of come full circle. Yeah. Even though you moved you moved down here on Monday, Monday, yeah, yeah. Monday morning. But no, it's great. But the biggest thing I've, learned, I've, I've noticed, right, is, is the sirens. The, the I talked about before the market, stall noises, and and just London's so much noisier than the countryside of Surrey. <laughs> it's and it's so much noisier than like the hilly parts of Sheffield, which is yeah. known as Healy. But you know, like. I think the buzz of kind of atmosphere in London is what kind of keeps you on edge. Yeah. And it doesn't allow you to kind of like rest on your laurels too much. But, you know, that's what I wanted. And I'm sure you're the same as well, like Mm. to kind of be amongst quite a bustling atmosphere. And, you know, I walk to my studio space. um, It's like a 30 minute walk and I walk the same path, but, you know, I get to see things and ideas can formulate just by like you know observation it's like observe, observing stuff on the street mm. um, so yeah I, I'd say it's a good move like you came down at a very interesting time it's a very testing time but I think you might get a lot out of it yeah well, this is one thing we were saying beforehand is, uh, is, is that the virus the whole pandemic situation for me perfectly looking at it a very selfish point of view it's been actually pretty good uh, I've managed to save up money I managed to save up enough money to move into London one of the most expensive cities in the world <laughs> and um yeah now i find myself on my feet i've got this job which had just started pandemic i still got it luckily and yeah it's, it's such a weird like amazing like hopeful promising optimistic time for me uh, as long as i don't get the virus we're all good i think yeah good i think i think this year's been interesting on a lot of levels where people now have to kind of you have to think of yourself and mm. because it's risky to kind of like um, go out and visit too many people and all that kind of thing. And like you said, it's been an interesting journey for you because you've had time to reflect, you saved money. When I went back up north during the lockdown to hang out with my mum, like it was a perfect environment for me because we had lots of space in the house and I had lots of space and headspace to like work through some things. And so, yeah, and like even though the world's pretty horrible, dark, gloomy place at the moment. You can't meditate on those things. But that's just London, yeah. (laughs) But you can't meditate on those things for too long if you can help it. I mean, it's quite, you know, like you can have empathy for the issues that are going going around. And if you want to help and do stuff, then, you know, you take up activism and you you do things actively. But then, like, I kind of feel like you also have to look after yourself. You know, first and foremost, you can't look after other people if you can't look after yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. That's why they say on the plane, you know, let's go back to the plane when, they, when it's coming down to crash. When you put your own mask first, because it calm you down. Yeah, um, yeah, that's such quite. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So Dark, Jordan right? Peterson talks about you know, setting your own your own uh, bedroom up first, getting your your bedroom in order, and then you can get the house in order, and then you can get your, yourself in order, and so on and so forth. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a good. It's a really good. Good mm. analogy. Like getting your house, getting your brain in order, and then. Mm-hmm. Then you can set, mm-hmm. then you set. But um, you'll come, I'll come on to that in a bit. But uh, yeah, I feel like I'm on hyper alert since coming to London. I still did noises and things, and mm-hmm. being in a new area, mm-hmm. uh, not being in the best part of London either. Like it's, it's you, you notice more people around you. you. You're wondering who's behind you all the time, and like especially mm-hmm. like carrying this a lot of podcasting equipment. You know, two thousand pound laptop, mm-hmm. microphones, never the grand. You know, this, this sort of stuff. Yeah, that wonder. is the paranoia of being in a big city though as well you know there's always there's a lot of people around you and you're anonymous yeah you know and the people around you are anonymous like when I go back to Sheffield 
uh, when I, I went back up there recently for my birthday to just hang out with my mom and see some friends. And I actually, I made arrangements to see a couple of friends, but all I had to do was walk into town and I just bump into people. They're always out and about. And for years, I was so used to that. Yeah, yeah. And then coming back from London, going up back, going back up north and just be like, oh yeah, of course you're here. But down here, that never happens. I hardly bump into people. And if I do, I've done it once or twice and I've bumped into someone I know. It's actually more specially like, oh, yeah. wow. Like, I always felt like a little bit, I guess, cocky when I went back home, right? So I'm coming from a small little mm. village. Mm. I'm going from that, to, you know, because I, I felt confident walking around. I could go around there blindfolded pretty much. I walk around just, just not really, not worry at all. Um, whereas here, I'm constantly on edge, like constantly worried. So it's, it's interesting feeling... <laughs> Going from one day just feeling really confident walking around, don't, don't really know exactly where everything is. Mm-hmm. Going to a place where you're like, oh no, where is everything? Like, it was after I think after a couple of months, once you right. like kind of walk around your area, and you know, like if you're in a routine of knowing your area, it's just that sense of kind of, you know, like you know it, right? You know, it like the back of your hand, and there's a comfort to it. Um, like even with me, like I've only lived in Hackney for like a year. Yeah, it's like a year now, and. There's still areas I haven't walked down, but I do make a point of changing my route if I can. And I have a nicer walk now. But before, you know, it's like you're kind of on edge. But then also when you're living in London, you don't want to kind of show people that you are on edge. You want to give off the impression that you know where you're going. You know the area and such. And you walk down a dark alley and you're like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> no. maybe maybe as a rite of passage, just walk down every dark alley and you notice that it's fine. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, I probably would advise that. Yeah, but yeah, maybe you get more confident if you keep going down alleys and bumping into strangers. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, you know, like it's like London is London is London. Mm. It's, it can be a labyrinth to people who've just moved down. But I know you you were down here before, like the pandemic and stuff. But then seriously, like after a couple of weeks, it's like, oh, actually, it feels, it starts to feel smaller the longer you're here like when you start walking paths and roads and you're like oh I know that road connects to this one and oh right if I if I walk a diagonal there that pub I went to two weeks ago is just down there so you start to it's like you play GTA 5 yeah, right yeah, yeah, and yeah. you have to unlock parts of the map if you notice how after a while when you're driving from your safe house you don't have to look at the map because you know how, how yeah, to get to the yeah. beach because you've you've driven that path a few well, times the airport to take the helicopter up to the top yeah. oh there's that but I find yeah, it yeah. interesting like because like games like GTA or any open world video game, you learn the paths and you learn the routes, so you don't have to look at the minimap all the time. Because otherwise, half the time you're you're not really enjoying the game. You look because I'm looking at the minimap and looking at the game, and that's how I kind of liken it. Even um, in the old GTA games, you had to unlock those areas. That's how I see living in London. I'm unlocking new areas. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. When you kind of go on like you know you're meeting friends or you're meeting new people in London, they'll they'll suggest the place. You go on City Mapper, you find it, yeah. and it always feels like it takes ages to get there because you've not gone down that you know you've not done the journey yet. That's interesting to say that because I remember going on school trips and the journey back was always always felt quicker. Mm. Yeah. yeah, journey back <laughs> always feels quicker. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the first week coming to London, it feels like I wrote this last night. It feels like a, a never-ending holiday, but a strange <laughs> not being at home. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's been good. It's been good preparing, uh, saving. Um, a tip for people wanting to move to London: try and get months saving ahead. So then, when your bank your, your money comes in, you've always got a month ahead, and um, that's that's been useful. That's good. Yeah, that's about savings, and then have that constantly. Um, 
It's good yeah. advice. Good advice. Last couple of notes I wrote last night about London and, and the future, and hopefully I'll look back on this podcast and mm. see what happens and wherever I'll be looking back on the younger Mark and <laughs> thinking. Um, so here's my hope for the future, right? It's going to get okay. dark and deep, really. Not dark, but deep. Pretty early. Um, so to meet more people, feel more connected to London and friends already here, like you. Um, once a pandemic is over, play football again. Uh, join a five side team. I'll be up for that. I'll be up for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, enjoy building a life from one of the city centres of the one of the city centres of the world. Uh, there is so much hope and potential here. Don't waste it. Very go. good. <laughs> Poetic. I can kind of reflect that as well. Like I've, I've recently just hit the age of thirty six, and I moved down to London last year, mm. and. I've always felt like when I made the decision to move down, I always felt like I should have done this sooner. I should have done this sooner. And a lot of people, I just kind of imagine a lot of people would be like, why is he moving down there? Is he going through like a midlife crisis or something <laughs> like that? And in some ways I was kind of going through like an existential kind of crisis in my career because I was quite, you know, I don't want to, I will just say it. I was well known back in Sheffield. Yeah. And I was, you know, kind of comfortable with the work and all this kind of thing. But I just felt like I needed that bit of extra edge to like what I was doing. But also because um, uh, I had like a life changing thing that happened to me, like I, like I lost my father. I've mentioned that a few times on, on the podcast. And that just like kind of reignited something in me um, as any kind of trauma would. You kind of start to realize, you know what? You can kind of try and do anything if you give yourself the opportunity to, and mm. that's and and I was at the right age where I had those savings. I had savings where I'm like, cool, I can I could do this if if I don't make it in London for like you know if I have four months down here with no work, then yeah, I can always hightail it back up to Sheffield, and you know I'm not that prideful anymore. Like if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like I feel like now, like just fast forwarding a bit the pandemic has kind of made people realize you can have all these best laid plans and all of a sudden whoomph pandemic a virus a very deadly contagious virus and how much it changes everything how much it changes um like the system of things you know like your job your work hours travel holidays weddings all that kind of stuff and it's very traumatic but it's making a lot of people realize that the way we live is kind of like tied into too many, you know, like rigid systems or rigid um, habits, maybe. And so a lot of people I'm talking to are opening up to like things like meditation, spirituality, mindfulness, self-care, all these other things that have been kind of put on the back burner, they can kind of come back to. And, you know, it, it has been stressful for a lot of people who I know have kids working from home, having to homeschool, look after the kids 24-7. But then, you know, as stressful as it is, they're also having this, like, connectivity with their children that, you know, not a lot of kids in that lifetime will ever experience as mm. much time with their parents. Like, I I was kind of talking to my sister a while back about it. Like, imagine if, you know, we had this amount of time with mum and dad, if they closed the restaurant and we were with them all the time. Yeah, yeah. But with me, it had been horrible. <laughs> I think, like, the kind of limited time I had with my parents was was better for me so I guess it's different yeah. for everyone yeah exactly that's uh, again we I've talked to you before we all listen to podcasts a lot and um, mm. the, the, one of the things I've heard this week was oh, imagine what the life is we look, this is what I don't like about podcasts people start a story and then don't finish it but 
uh, people living in places where they're not comfortable, like child abuse uh, father or, or like really horrible situations. They're the people that we're not thinking, well, I'm not particularly thinking of, but I've got to start thinking of right, right. right now to make myself feel grateful and be very happy with where I am. And mm. yeah, it, it, it's, it's. I think, yeah, you're touching on. Time, more stressful for a lot of other people rather than not getting enough work. Because mm. f- f- we see a lot of designers and people right now not having enough work on which is horrible and it's you know it can be really really stressful but there's always and, and there's that saying again there's always people that are, uh, are worse off than you you are touching on something that um yeah i did reflect on when i was back up north as well like the fact that i felt very grateful that i was in a very privileged position to like, be able to go back to my mum's yeah. you know and have all this space and like yeah you're right like you do kind of think about you know like cases of um, domestic abuse had gone up and like anxiety and all these other kind of things things that aren't directly affecting me yeah. and you know the only thing you can kind of really do is make that aware amongst people around you but also be very you know it sounds horrible just thankful it's not happening to you absolutely yeah and with that it's like then you start to think like I have the tools then to kind of do the things I want to do and I guess that's what I did during like lockdown. I did a lot of work, my own work, explored mm. different avenues, and just kind of fed more things into myself to try and you know better myself. We're all, you know, a lot of ways like you know, kind of partially damaged, and you know, more so this year because of what's happened. But I kind of feel like for a lot of people that I know, it's been a like a journey of like it sounds really cheesy, but like self discovery again. You know, absolutely, yeah. Well, I, I don't want to get people the wrong way, but I mean, people yeah, don't have work, and it's a horrible thing. I'm not saying oh, there's always people worse than you, so, you know, so stop moaning, but because it, because no, you've got to have it. It's just acknowledgement, isn't it? Yeah, like, you exactly. Know. Yeah, it's, it's a nice way of thinking about uh, not nice, but it's, it's a way of thinking better about your situation. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm, yeah, that's what I've been thinking about a lot recently. But, this is um, the kind of thing that I'm touching on with, like trying to be more mindful about uh, things around me and mindful yeah. of even mindful of myself if I if I have a pang of like emotion like you know you know what it's like you go on Instagram and you see people's work and like what the hell how do they get that work and there's a <laughs> pang of like jealousy yeah you know and then you know if you practice like being mindful of it like you pull yourself up on it internally and, like mm-hmm. that's fine you know you can just be like oh whatever like that was just Oh yeah, that was just like one outburst, but internal outburst. It's fine, everything's okay, and then you just kind of go along your way, really. But it's—I um, don't know—are you finding it harder to be creative during this time, or are you finding that there's a lot more that you can draw from the current situation? That well, lots of things have happened this year. Obviously, the pandemic, and also there's been a lot of activist movements and lots of other things. And I think a lot of—it's um, just getting a weird way for a design podcast, but. Um, I think a lot of it's been quite performative, uh, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. And it's stuff like it's stuff like taking the knee and sporting events, and mm. it's great. It's great, and it started off as a really nice gesture, like clapping for the NHS as well. That's the same same thing for me. Mm. It started off as a really nice gesture for the first couple of weeks, and then quickly got into something that everyone sort of had to do a voice to be seen as frowned upon or. or well, it got yeah, quite plastic right. very quickly. I kind of, yeah, I you know, kind it's of... It's not making an actual effort. To, it's not like making a further thing. It's not like you're donating mm. money or to the NHS, or it's not like you're you know, you're making artwork around Black Lives mm. Matter or, or this sort of thing. So, yeah, there's, there's more... So, so feel, and also washing hands and things for for the coronavirus. Yes, it's 
help, but also feels more performative where it could be I don't know and closing pubs early as well mm. there's a lot of shit I think that mm. is going on right now where I think it's a bit sort of plastic there's not enough direct action you mean yeah well the closing the pubs early thing is with the government they, they put all these measures in but they mm. need to tell us why they do it like I get why they put in the closing the pubs early because people get more drunk after 10 o'clock and you know things happen you go around you meet people after 10 o'clock and things happen but you're more likely to be sort of easy going and laid, laid back and meeting more people mingling more people and maybe spitting more because you're more drunk and mm. all sorts but I do agree that, that you got to tell us that it's, no, I, it's not transparent enough yeah I do agree that everything's been very contradictory from like and government well, guidelines yeah. and it's just it's quite, it's quite strange because like we do live in a society that's based on basic principles of like free speech freedom of movement all these kinds of yeah. things and but the thing is this might be a very controversial view of mine but i do kind of feel that like british culture itself is quite arrogant when it comes to things like this like the the entire approach to the coronavirus where yeah. it was mentioned in like january it was happening in china was that like you know, okay, it's all China's fault, etc. Whatever. You know, I won't get into that. But you saw a direct, instant reaction from the Chinese. Even though the Chinese are no better when it comes to handling like PR and freedom of speech and things like that. But also in East Asia, this stuff is kind of like part of their lifestyle. Like they've had pandemics before. They've had flu virus, swine flu, all this kind of it's flu virus, or bird flu, and all this right. kind of stuff. Even there was like a, a bird flu in the sixties. You know. So the consciousness of like working together to stop the spread yeah. is kind of like bred into the culture. People wear masks as a common courtesy anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like they've, they've been doing it for decades. But then like you saw people wearing masks on the tube in London in February or January and people giving each other weird looks like, what the hell is this? Mm. You know, and I, and I wonder like, haven't you guys watched Contagion? Do you not know how easy a virus can spread? Do you remember when the Ebola virus... Uh, story came out was it like 2016 or something and then like they managed to find four people that or three people that were infected in London mm. and they managed to like isolate that really quickly yeah, didn't yeah, they? but this. with this they didn't shut down the airports they didn't screen people and I was just thinking yeah it's gonna happen and I was already preparing uh, around February to possibly up sticks and go back up north just mm. to be with my mom so she wouldn't be on her own and you know Middle of March happens, and it's like, oh, having a lockdown now. Two or three months after this kind of happened. It would have been too soon in January, but but even then, I just kind of felt like this, there wasn't enough seriousness from the government. The message wasn't serious enough. And but you know, it's, it's hard. You don't want you don't want things to be too draconian, whatever. We 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 live in a culture where, like. We have a lot of opinions about things, so yeah, yeah. it's. I don't know if like the government just don't want to be seen as like oh too draconian because like oh we're really nice people it's really. An interesting one. You know, it's it is kind of interesting. Did you see what you see that New Zealand's where how they handled it and they mm. almost almost eradicated it. Well, they did. They got rid of it for a few days and it did yeah. And well, so I don't know how long it was, but but then the overseas visitors start coming in. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of. Um, a lot of plastic things going around. I, I like mm. that's one of my things I'm thinking about a lot. Is I like transparency. I like people being open. I like honesty. I like um, things like this and, and not lying. And I think this is um, something that I'm trying to carry forward a lot in my own life as well. It's just it's just a nice it's good nice trait to have. Not not lying. And you know you, you've got a conscious honest then. 
you got yeah. I feel that like um, my reasons for moving down to London particularly was to change um, habits or change things that I do that I'd normally do when I'm back in Sheffield mm. so you know like you know resting on your laurels and all that kind of thing and I feel that like you know being in London that's why you're here as well you've probably got you probably have habits or, or behaviours that you probably did in your office back home mm. but now that you'll be working in a different office working from home or whatever it's an opportunity for change it's yeah. an opportunity for you know it's almost refresh mm. it's now I work for a company it's almost forced change because mm. you said come back to the question it's, it's, you have to be creative 9 to 5 mm. otherwise you're not getting the job done and um, it's, it's really interesting actually once you have a job how how much your creativity changes and how much you want to do outside of that mm. nine to five period after work now I'm up for just playing FIFA like all night you know what yeah because <laughs> I kind of feel like oh, I don't know like, Before, I, I couldn't it, do a nine to five personally yeah yeah it's different people and you know, I, I went out freelance pretty much straight out of college and, and did a well, straight out of Shillington and did, did a mm. bit of work experience beforehand and it was um, it was good it was an interesting period of time and you, know, you learn by doing that you learn about yourself you learn can I make this happen and it didn't really work out for me and now I've got a job that I love and, and you know mm. it's the right path I think I think I'm on the right path I think so but it's, it's yeah I don't know where this is going this conversation it's a bit of a rambly one it's crazy waffle. It, is a, it is a waffle but uh, but like you know like you said it's you're on the path now mm. you know you're on a path where your, creati- your creativity is used within this job and you're paid for that time like I said earlier, I don't think I could do a nine-to-five because I, I personally couldn't fit into that paradigm of I'm in the I'm in the space from nine o'clock till five, I get a lunch break and maybe a couple of toilet breaks and a coffee yeah. break or whatever, but then I'm supposed to be creative from nine till five. Yeah, yeah. But my creativity comes in splurges. Well, so if I'm not creative between... Splurges. But if I'm not creative between nine, nine till five all the time, mm. then what am I doing? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So it's like... My creativity kind of comes when it needs to come, but also, it's my creativity comes from my autonomy of I can pick and choose what I want to work on. If I have like two projects on, I will get them done. Mm. And I'll get them done in my own time. Mm. If the deadline is Friday, then I could do all the work from Monday, finish it on Wednesday, but I'll still send it on Friday. Mm. I'm not going to send it sooner in case the client wants changes, which. I don't want to spend time doing because they haven't because I haven't costed for those changes, you know. I want to use those extra hours or those extra days for myself, like to go home and play FIFA or go for a run or. But also, it lets your sub- that's it. Also, lets your subconscious sort of think about it as well. Mm. Like, it, giving yourself a day before you send something is a good idea anyway. But mm. when you're working a nine to five, you sort of have to get things done quick and rapid. Yeah. So it is limiting in a sense, but also forces at some points it also forces creativity out of you. But um, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure if I did my you know, pitch decks and, and worked at you know, Arsenal and had all night to think about things and, and didn't have to do it at, at nine to five, surely the design might be better. You know, I got more time to think about things and look at other design and mm. get inspired a bit better. But that's not how it works. That's just not how it is. And everyone it. is different. Like everyone has a different approach, a different path. So like. You know, just because just because I say I couldn't do a nine to five mm. doesn't mean that all illustrators think that way either. Yeah, well, I mean, personally, I, th- I think, I don't know, I, yeah, personally, I think uh, nine to five is quite limiting for creatives. But if you're working in a, a situation like a football club where 
you have to be nine to five because everyone else is. Everyone else is an account manager and and or you know, working with clients or working with sponsors or and you have to do it nine to five because they are and they're the ones that are managing you. So you just have to do it. And yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's no there's no opportunity unless you're a freelance working for a football club. Yeah. At least you get a paycheck, right? Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> if we're living in London, baby. Uh, <laughs> That's good. That's yeah, good. No. How has it been for you? Um, being at Arsenal and with the new football season coming out and stuff, is there more of a, is there more of a push for content? You know, that's screen based because you know you're not going to see as much stuff like uh, like on billboards. They're still doing the program, so that's cool. Um, mm. I'm not really sure why they're still doing the program, but right. uh, they're still printing it, still making it mm. for for no one that's going into the game. Maybe the, the journalists and things, so they must maybe get a limited run. But do home um, do like season ticket fans like get them sent to their homes or something? Or uh, I'm not sure actually. Mm. That'd be a good idea. That's a good incentive. Probably not because mm. a lot of football clubs want to save money during this time. But I can't speak on behalf of Arsenal because I'm not sure about that one. Do you des- do you do some designs for the program as well? Uh, no, I've done a Lavazza advert for the program once. <laughs> nice, uh, but I haven't. It's <laughs> actually not a bad coffee, the Lavazza coffee. <laughs> you know, when you go abroad and like if you go to a cafe abroad and they serve Lavazza, I think it's Lavazza. Is it Italy? What's yeah. the red one? What's the red one? Costa. Uh, not the Costa. No, no, no. Like, it's the brand of coffee itself. It's like going to a McDonald's where you know what you're going to get. If you get a Lavazza coffee in like a, a museum in like Barcelona, it's like, oh, I know what that's going to taste like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you have it. That's a good point. It's a, bit of a, guilt, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. We've got Lavazza coffee machines at work. It's, I, mean, I haven't been there for a while. But yeah, it's cool. It's really, really good yeah. coffee. It's kind of a rum. No, I can't remember. Well, the red, trying to think of the red label. Yeah, it's like Rossi or something like that. But it's uh, not Rossi. But yeah, anyway. So yeah, so you've done like some stuff with it. Done a little bit of advert, and these are things you know, posting a banner advert I did for Adidas, and you know, it's not uh, it's not incredible work. Like, it's 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 great. It's a start. I enjoy it. But yeah, exactly. It's a start, and, and doing this sort of stuff and posting out there has gotten rid of the jealousy of other creatives uh, a little bit. In what way? And this is this is a good it's a good talking point. This one because. I think obviously a lot of people struggle with it and getting off it's been a few things right so getting off of social media uh, not having it on my phone at all uh, for the last probably I can't remember what podcast it was when I said I'd gotten off social media but it's been a few months now and it's been really good mm. um, so getting off social media only having it on my laptop and only Instagram on my iPad because it's easier to post things via mobile um, so not looking at it half as much as uh, much also um, just being at a job which I enjoy and, and doing and I think um, the work itself is fulfilling so it's it's not looking at other people as much thinking oh shit I wish I could be in that situation mm-hmm. and also the, th- the third point of that is realising that we are individuals we're not you're not fighting you're not really fighting other people for, for jobs and it's, um, I think it's a hard thing to get yourself out of and in a way you have to sort of teach yourself it's like the thing where you have to teach yourself to do something or you have to People can tell you all there's a bus in the world, but unless you do it yourself, you won't do it. Mm. Um, so yeah, you sort of have to realise that we're not actually fighting each other, and we are on our mm. own ladders. We are on our own path, sort of thing. And we get. I feel like because maybe we both come from like sports-based backgrounds. We used to play sports, yeah. And when you kind of venture out on your own as a freelancer or as, as creative, there is like that subconscious thing where you feel like you're competing against other people because yeah. you know there are people better than you. And when in sports, you're very competitive, aren't you? So yeah. I carried that I definitely as, as a mentality, especially working in sports design, mm. carried that as like, oh, yeah, I've got to be better than this person, I've got to be better than that person. And then someone like Callum, uh, come, like Callum Seal comes across and he's like incredible straight out of university like with the help of these amazing people as mm. well, like, like yourself. 
it's, it's only going to build my heart and you can't be judging someone like that because you got to be you got to be you have to recognize good talent yeah and, exactly and you can you can be um, envious you're allowed to be envious because you're like oh it's amazing but you can use that you can use that as a as a as a as a means to like better yourself yeah it's like it's like hey it's like it's like the two footballers that we talked about Messi and Ronaldo Messi is the talented one he is the naturally talented one Mm. Ronaldo when he first signed for Man United wasn't as naturally talented he was flashy and flary but what got what what helped him become more talented was just dedication and hard work it's like David Beckham wasn't a he was technically a good striker of the ball he could pass but he wasn't like super fit he couldn't like take it past five people and then score a solo goal but then you know you hear stories like he used to stay after training uh two hours or an hour every day to practice those free kicks so he could hit them with pinpoint accuracy now with that you don't have to be super talented but you can be very good at something if you put enough hours into it and that's where recognizing good talent kind of helps propel you because you can you can see like i recognize someone like callum Callum Seymour we're talking about like we've uh, you know we've met him a few times right and he's dedicated a lot of time into the work he spends loads of time yeah. uh, on his work and like I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning that I, we had a phone call like a couple of weeks ago and he said he not left the house in two or three weeks he not left the house yeah. like because he'd just been working and working straight because he had so much work in that like, came in you know, after like the lockdown was lifted lightly and you know for someone to do that a you gotta be start raving bonkers but also you're dedicated <laughs> to the craft you're dedicated to yeah, to yeah. that and I've been in that space as well when you're totally dedicated to bettering what you do I've been doing it all I've been doing it for the past like 10-15 years you know like constantly drawing mm. and constantly using things to help propel my ideas and my approach and trying different things much like yourself with the podcast and all these other bits you've been doing, like you've been doing merch and you've, you know, like reaching out to all these different people, you know, it's a different form of bettering yourself because you're learning. That's the case, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So, yeah. It, it's an interesting one when, when you're looking at other people's work, especially on Instagram because you're, you know, it's so easy to compare yourself and it's almost like a, comparing yourself is it's literally your enemy. It, you can't, it, yeah, just don't do it. Mm. But it's hard to get out of that mindset and it's only over the last sort of year where it's, been really tr- focusing on trying to get out of it it's been like when I I trained myself to be a bit more patient mm. I spent like, pretty much a whole year subconsciously thinking about it and picking myself up on when I wasn't patient mindfulness um, yeah yeah, pretty much yeah it's, I think that's what you got to do I think every time you see a, pe- a person that you, you're jealous of you're you know, uh, like like example I said earlier on BBC Sport are hiring loads of people those are young creators right now and um, I'm, I'm thinking the other day, I, I thought, oh, why, why didn't I ever get that opportunity when, when I was doing freelance work? And and you don't know, you never really look into it yourself. You never think, oh, this is probably the reason because maybe I didn't put myself in that right frame of mind, or I didn't like, present the work to them properly, or I didn't um, create the right kind of work for them. I wasn't doing the Photoshop sort of work that they would the hiring people for. But you never really look at it. You're like, oh, why well, am I not as good as them? And then that's just like a, a nail on the head you sort of hit yourself with. And um, it's too easy, isn't yeah. it? Like, that's the first reaction. Like, cause I've I've had that when I was younger as well. And you got to pick it. Sorry, but you got to pick yourself up on these things. If you, if you notice that you're looking at people's work and comparing yourself against them and thinking, oh, why am I not getting those situations? You've got to look deeper into it and pick yourself up on those points. Otherwise, it won't change. Sorry, go on. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> that's that's totally that's totally true. There's another thing that I was going to mention where, like, in the 
when you have uh, instances like that, when you're looking at competitors' work or competitors like other people's work, if you're in an agency, if you're in an agency and you're looking at uh, other agency work, you're you're in a room with people and you can discuss it. You, you can, and then you can, you're allowed to be emotionally like kind of charged about like oh, we could do something better than that because like yeah, yeah. you're a team. But when it's yourself, you just come across to yourself as like a jealous person. But it's a natural reaction I feel to kind of be like oh. I want to do that or I could have done better than that you know that's your call to arms but then also when you kind of point it out to yourself it's almost like you have to kind of split yourself into a team in your head and that, and this almost sounds like schizophrenia doesn't it you've got voices <laughs> in your head but I think there's like a there's a phrase where like, like just be a better friend to yourself and mm. like almost like play two sides of the coin you know be when you when you point it out to yourself just kind of also acknowledge that like well, it's cool. Like it's, you know, just just accept it for what it is. Acknowledge, just acknowledge that. Like, oh yeah, I kind of flared up yeah. within myself, but I'm I'm fine. It's fine. It's well, natural. It, yeah, the thing is, it's 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 a fine line because you can you can pay yourself to someone else, mm. and you say you want to be as good as that, or I could do better work than that, and and that's an absolutely great. I personally, I think that's a really good um, thing to say to yourself, and but. You've got to do. You've got to do the work. Because yeah. yeah. if, if you say that to yourself and you're just beating yourself down, not, and you're looking at it from a bad point of view, because mm. that could be a positive thing. Oh yeah, I, I can do work as good as that. Mm. So then go and do it. Then like become better than them and, and get get work. True. There's also a case though as well where, like sometimes people that are out there in the world doing the work that you want to work do, mm. they just have better contacts. Yeah, like, and they've probably cultivated well. hours and hours of. This know, is this like, is the thing that people don't. We don't think about that when we're comparing ourselves mm. to other people. Mm. We don't think about all the other outside factors. Yeah. And if you say, yeah. yeah, we don't. We don't. No, you're right. So, it's interesting because, like, you don't realize that if, if a person has spent all of those years and hours, like, cultivating relationships with people yeah. that, and they've paid off, you know, yeah. like, three years down the line where it's like, oh, I remember you spoke to me when I was a junior. I'm a senior art director now and I'd like to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, those, absolutely. these things do take time and, there is like a whole plethora of people that you can contact and such, but there's probably, I came across a thought the other day where um, whenever I have quiet periods and I'm like, Oh, I have these followers and no one ever wants to like commission me for work and stuff. Maybe there's just no work to commission you for. That's perfect for you. But then like they have you in mind. Mm. And so the only thing you can really do in the meantime is keep, keep yourself in their minds, you know, like, create some new work or explore something that interests you Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what i do between jobs and i have downtime i enjoy my downtime now i've always got like a list of things that i want to work on and ironically i never do them because a new thing pops up and i'm like oh i want to do this instead yeah that's fine that's the creative journey you're constantly um it's like you cast a net out and you know every time you play it back in you might catch something different you know and you might become obsessed with one thing or you might kind of become obsessed with it and be like, oh, actually, it's kind of boring. I want to move on to the next thing. And I find that's an interesting journey. Again, I am speaking from like a point of like, it's hard if you are a designer or a freelancer who is living month to month. You know, you need to make a certain amount every month to cover your yeah. living expenses and stuff. That can be quite stressful because then 100%. You're, you're fishing and you're saying, I'm willing to take anything 
and you'll always say yes to a job that you kind of think if I was in a normal situation I would say no but I could do mm. with this money even if it's a paltry amount it's it's something I've been caught in those situations when I was younger I would accept a job that's like in my head I'd, I'd rationalize it and like I could do that really quickly mm. you know I'll give them what they want it's it's less than what I would it's more than less than what I'd go for but I could just do just bolstering some money and then you do it and it's just so it's soul destroying because you're just doing something that it's not you you know you, you you're feeling like you you you're, yeah, yeah. you're letting yourself down but sometimes you got to do things you know we've well, always done that job so we don't want to do that but mm. we have to because of money yeah because of money but then there's a point though the longer you do this there's a point where you do have a I call it like a threshold of savings I hope that eventually this will like every freelancer will experience this they have a threshold of savings that's cushion money you know so like it's okay that stress of having to bring in work every month yeah becomes less of a thing and then it's more about your craft and more about how does my work look out in the world compared to all these people um you know and that's and I guess it's it's not a nicer place but it's a better place than mm. having to like scramble and sell your soul a little bit more for money yeah absolutely it I think it's a nicer place I mean so one of the things I'm saving up for London I, I speak to a lot of um, younger designers and creatives we don't people need to start thinking about personal finance especially right now I, I've missed a lot of with the coronavirus I missed a lot of savings but I also managed to still save so there's a lot of opportunity mm. right now if you listen to this to save money and to get ahead um, mm. to even just have a pot of money just to just have an emergency fund if, if something completely goes wrong mm. or if you do lose your job next time the coronavirus happens or next time something happens mm. it's a really important uh, thing to, to try and save up and learn a bit more about personal finance maybe learn about investing maybe learn about um, just, just savings accounts and interest rates and all the boring stuff that comes mm. along with it once you get into it, I don't find it that boring. But once, I think barring personal circumstances, I find if you're going to embark on a freelance or create a career, yeah. ones that are serious will start. They do start saving. You know, it's just naive to kind of go into this and not have a little bit of backup behind you. But then, like yeah. you know, I also I can speak from experience where I know that my parents had my back. If if things went real really yeah. south, yeah, same here, yeah. you know, we know that, and yeah. it's not something we want to admit that we we would use but it's kind of comforting to know that like you know your parents if you know they offer the help all the time then you're lucky that they can do that right and people listening to this will be working and living at home as well yeah like I was from last week and and that's even better you've got more chance of saving up money and mm. you, you you know yeah it's just a message if you, if you do learn one thing from this podcast I, I, and you are at home working as a designer agency or, or you have money coming in that's one thing I'd say, just just save up money and get yourself a cushion or get yourself a... Because it comes in handy. It definitely comes in handy when, when you're looking to your next opportunity. Because I, I was thinking about moving out to London three years down the line when my grandparents kindly gave me some money um, when that sort of matures and that gets more money and interest. You know, mm-hmm. It matures in three years' time. So I was thinking about that's when I'm going to move into London. But because of the savings, it allowed me to do it a lot quicker, allowed things to speed up the process. So money does bring opportunity and, and bring things. That's it. So... Um, yeah, save up money, people. This is something I always tell students. I might have mentioned it in the past, but like, um, if you're ever going to go freelance straight from uni or go freelance after you've been working as such, you need environmental stability, which to me means a stable homing, home condition. So, like, you know, you can afford your rent yeah. or you're living at home, so you can save money. 
you're not working a part-time job that requires you to work in the evening, i.e. a bar job or a pub job. Mm. If you want to become a freelance illustrator designer, you know, sometimes when I was younger, it was cool to work in a pub or a bar because like you could get involved in different things. But then I knew people that worked pub and bar jobs and they just got sucked into that cycle of drinking after work Mm. with their friends and then like they're hung over the next day. So they don't do any work. They're They're spending the money where they're earning at the place where they earn it. It's just like a stupid cycle. I just, I just don't know why people do it. And then, you know, it's just that thing then where they, they get into like you know, drinking becomes their thing and then they don't do any work in the day. They're mm. just like laying around all day. Yeah. Whereas like I had part-time jobs where I was working in the restaurant and cafe, but I managed to find time to draw because I was dedicated to it because that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, that's the ca- that's a case in point. If you can't make excuses for yourself, if you feel like you're dedicated to wanting to become a freelancer or you want to be a create a creative, you don't make excuses for yourself. You make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you can juggle a job and do a podcast. You can juggle a job and do your paintings and whatever. So, you know, whenever there's, there are, you know, I'm not trying to be too hard handed on other people that have legitimate like reasons why they can't do it. Health reasons, financial, whatever. But, you know, I know some people that are like, oh, I'd like to get into painting and this, this and that. And then, you know, the cynic in me is always asking, you know, painting, design, whatever. It's like, how much do you take, how much do you really dedicate yourself to it? Or are you just well, saying it? We want to train for hours, don't we? Same, yeah. Same it doesn't stop. It's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't stop. Like, you're always, um, like, well, it depends because I've always treated it as a lifestyle, as like it's, it's a part of me. If I couldn't sit and draw on the couch after work and, all that kind of stuff I, you know I'd feel quite empty mm. if I you know I'm, I have like horrible dreams where I've broken my drawing hand or something and I can't draw have you ever broken your drawing hand no oh. I haven't actually that's why I've probably stayed away from like learning things like skateboarding and or boxing or, or boxing well, I guess yeah. you're glove on it, you and uh, when I play football that's why I kind of stopped playing five a side oh, really? you get some knobheads like you can play <laughs> five a side right you know you, you, know, you play like teams yeah, that you yeah. don't know yeah. and there's always like some some fat, rough guy. Yeah. Fat, 40, 50 year old dude who all he wants to do is hurt people because he's probably got a shit job. He's probably got kids, a horrible yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah. And he's just a knobhead. Every, and anyone who's listening to the podcast who's played Five Side will know this. Yeah, it's true. And it's then, like, you know, they, they tackle true. you. And, like, a few times I've had to turn around to people and go, like, Are you getting paid for this? <laughs> or do you get paid to play this? Like, Oh, what are you on about? What are you on about? It's like, Yeah. It's like, I can't afford to, like, walk around with a broken hand or a broken leg or something. You know, over a game of football, I get it. It's competitive. I get it, but we don't get paid to do this. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm like, so why would you? Why would you do that? It's just stupid. So like that's a, why I don't I do, do like it. Like a good tackle, though. I do like a good tackle too. But five aside, five aside on well, Astro. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what are you <laughs> doing? Stupid. And like people are, uh, people always laugh at me because I can't ice skate. Ah, you know, okay. and they're like, oh, let's go ice skate. Like, I can't. It's like, oh, come on, just you know, teach them. Like, I don't want to risk breaking my wrist I would feel yeah. stupid if you know like I couldn't work for three weeks or a month it's hard because hard you, you know what I mean because yeah. I bust my wrist or bust my hand and it's I just like I can't do anything can't do anything yeah so yeah um, but it's yeah fun, anyway though. as I was fun, though. <laughs> I know it's it right. looks fun I just can't partake in it but um, yeah as I, yeah kind of like as I was saying though it's a part of me much like mm. much like if you're into sports I know like as a football fan you're not just looking at the the results and the team. You look at everything, the kit, the badges, mm. the graphics, the visual culture. Anything more than that, the result. 
<laughs> yeah. like, the culture of football is more than to me more than the result in the new way because there's always going to be next game it's always the next game yeah but it's just it's 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 all the visual culture that's tied to it and you want to be part of that like yeah. I've seen you do like your football illustrations and you even design your own jersey like the Blue Deer jersey <laughs> yeah. so that kind of yeah so that, that kind of shows right but whereas uh, you just got football fans who just support their own team and they go like Man United they're rubbish and I'm just like yeah, but if you're kind of comprising an argument, you wouldn't you wouldn't really say that. I mean, you support Wickham. You know what I mean? It's that kind of it's that kind of. It's more thing. than a result of football. Football is 100 percent more than just the, the, you know, the win or the, or the loss or the draw. Um, Football's my my reality TV. Mm. Whereas, like, I fucking hate reality TV shows. <laughs> like, I hate reality TV shows where yeah. it's like, oh, we've got these people living in a house, and oh, let's follow the Kardashians. I'm like, I don't care about that. But then. People that go, I don't care about football. So now I understand. Now I'm just like, what do you do? <laughs> I know, right? But they, they'll watch, they'll watch stuff like that or Love Island and stuff. Yeah. And I get it. There's like a macabre like interest seeing these like people on an island like having sex with each other or whatever. Yeah. But that doesn't interest me. But then if I talk about football, it's like you're just watching twenty guys on a field touching each other, kicking a ball about. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> Can't argue against that, can I? Yeah. Only yeah, that you know, people around the globe watch this game. It's much more complicated than that. Yeah, it's much more complicated than that. And football's a unifying thing. Like we we could speak totally different languages. It is a religion. And, like people, yeah. people people compare it to religions, but for me, it is a religion, and mm. I take that very seriously. It's true though, because like I like I say, I've been to places around the world where you know, if people ask you where you are, they'll go, oh, English Premier League. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, English Premier League. And yeah, what do you know about it? Who do you support? Yeah, it's a unifying thing. It's like yep. a common ground. It's like talking about the weather. Absolutely. Most of the time. Absolutely. But yeah, but back to that point though, again, these things, like there are hobbies and there are interests. So it's a great privilege to be able to make a living off something that I've always enjoyed doing, always wanted to be part of. And I never take it for granted. Like I might have days where I bitch and moan about, oh, I'm losing followers. Oh, this guy's got this work. Oh, why is this person getting all the, all the attention and like that? Oh, why is this style really popular? But that's that just comes natural when you work for yourself because you're a one person team. You're a one person finance uh, finance administrator, admin person, the person that sends the bills, the person that meets the client, the person that does the work, the person that does the um, the amends. So it's natural that you might have those reactions. But then, you know, a lot of people I know that are slightly older than me have, you know, they're just more mellow because they've probably just gone through that journey and gone, oh, it's fine. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think, I think time's definitely a big part of, if we go back to the comparison thing and, and all these negative thoughts, I think time is definitely a big part of dealing with it all. And mm. talking to 200 people on a podcast, you get this sort of weird stage where you understand what it will be like in the, in the future yeah do you feel after speaking to like 200 different creators that now you have other oh, sirens Love it. you know you're in london <laughs> Come across. um yeah do you feel that like yeah you you kind of experience what i've experienced where a lot i'm sure out of 200 you've spoken to some that are very relaxed about like like yeah it, it gets it's not it, it gets easier or it's it gets better the older you get. Have you kind of? Yeah, I mean, you get more confident. Um, from what I've learned, is you get people that have, the advice that I've, I've heard is in, and I, I can pick up on is you get more confident whilst, when you get older, and it, it, yeah, you just you just learn how to deal with things better because you've done it more, and yeah, everything will be alright. That's I get that sort of sense of it. Everything will be alright if you just mm-hmm. keep going. But um, obviously, at twenty two, you, you don't really think about that a lot. True. <laughs> but, I do feel that like 
the more you do this, you only get better. You don't get worse. Yeah. You know? It's only like physical things like like sports. Like the older you get, you get worse because you deteriorate. But yeah. with being creative and, you know, like painting, drawing. You've got to keep it going though. You've got to keep, you keep it going. Because yeah, yeah. you can work in the studio all your life, being just at one studio. Mm-hmm. And this comes to a conversation I want to have with you in a minute about success and what your rates of success and what what you think success means. But um, so yeah, I think you can I think you can progress at different levels as well. That's but true. the um the the comparison thing to just round that one off because it's it's an important one. Uh, I think I was a bit sort of I I bring up things on a podcast sometimes. I I, go I say something. <laughs> well, no, I also I say something and then I say oh, actually the opposite of that. The next sentence. So almost um what's the word? Very. Not flipping. Contradic- contradictory, that's it. Well, that's the thing. Like we uh, go into, You go into these conversations almost like a, how you approach a brief. You should kind of come full circle again and maybe right. contradict your initial idea. But, but the, the, with, the, with the comparison thing, I think it's, it's how you deal with that. Because I think we all... And the negative thoughts is the point, right? I also do this as well. I think I have a thought and then just... It goes on my brain, so I have to ramble a bit. But um, <laughs> like I'm just doing now. With, with the... Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> my brain goes 100 miles an hour I literally it, it goes in and out uh, I think yes yeah, how you deal with these negative thoughts and, and, and the contradictions I think uh, that's, that's the most important important thing because you can look at it from a negative point of view why don't they why haven't I got that work mm-hmm. but you can also look at it from a positive view of wow that's amazing they've got that work I can do something similar or better than that let's put my mind to it and actually do it so I think you say that a lot on Twitter as well people moan about maybe they weren't the best person for the job or why did they do like this mm. but you don't know their story you don't know the background you don't know the brief get on with your own work get on with your own work sort your own ladder up mm-hmm. that's it I agree with that no no I agree with that that's I agree with that I, <laughs> I, I agree with that I do because I, I do feel that like the, the jealousy thing comes from like some weird sense of entitlement that like, you forget it's easier to, to, to draw to negativity straight away as a reaction yeah. it's, it's easier than to but it takes time to practice mindfulness and practice being a bit more neutral and positive about these things you know because like we we all get caught in in moments of insecurity when things aren't going our way or like i've been quiet for like a month i had no work and you're just seeing everyone around you getting work you're like why not me why not me and because it comes out of frustration you got no one else to talk to about it and it's just like you know, you're there in the room on your own with the phone, so you're looking at it, and it's it's a natural thing. But like, like what we mentioned before, like what you said, you know, practicing being mindful of it and practicing being able to like, it's like when I went just quickly about meditation. I'm not a seasoned uh, meditator, <laughs> pra- pra- a veteran meditator, yeah, a practitioner of meditation. But how I try and meditate, it takes, it's taken me a long time to get to this point where I can meditate for about ten to fifteen minutes now, where. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not let thoughts come in, but as soon as a thought comes in, you're supposed to just clear it out. You concentrate on one, concentrate on one thing. It could be your breathing. It could be like uh, in your mind's eye, like a focal point. But then, like a thought will come in, and then you let it drift away. But thoughts will always come in, right? So, but you're mindful that that happens. So I treat that negative feeling when I see something like that as like. Oh, I feel it and I let it go. I feel it and I let it go. That that kind of process. Mm-hmm. And practicing that for ten to fifteen minutes a day so far is kind of helping me like I'm not achieving like enlightenment and nirvana or anything like that, but it's a good way to clear my head and to kind of like set my brain up, set my mind up for the day. 
uh, as well as exercise as well. And as someone who exercises too, like you've gone on you know, run. Mm. Running's interesting because you're in the present, you're in the moment. That's what meditation is. You're yeah, sat you in a still th- place. We're running there, you can't think about anything else because you're so you're so out of breath. You just think so on getting yeah. your next breath in and getting the next step. But then after 20, 30 minutes of running, your body kicks in and you're more comfortable. So then like there's like it's not like a nirvana state, but there's a state when you're running. If you if you're running for like an hour and you feel it, you feel like quite mm-hmm. oh like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you can feel your legs, you can feel your running, but I don't know. I get this like slightly out of body experience. No, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, percent. And you're present in it. And yeah, when you're yeah. present, you're not thinking about anything else. I was talking to a friend yesterday who says when they skate, that's what helps them unwind. And do you know absolutely. why? Because when you're skating, you can't think of anything else. Because if you if you fall, you'll break absolutely. your ankle. So you're in the present moment, like when you go to the gym or sport is so good for this. Yeah. Football, you can't. You, you have to think about the, the space around you. You have to think about the people around you. Yeah, the, the, what runs people are making, yeah. uh, hits the next pass is going to, how you're yeah. going to defend the attack. It's so much to think about. In the you present, can't think of anything yeah, else. you can't think of anything else. I wonder if you know when you're on the pitch. I wonder about a lot of stuff. If I was a footballer, mm. I've had dreams about being a footballer. We all have. We all and have. like, if when you're if you're a right back and everyone's all the way up That's there, me. you're you're meant to stay back. Mm-hmm. You're watching the game, but, you're, but you've got the crowd there. Yeah. So are you thinking about the game? Can you drown the crowd out? Can you drown them out? I think they do. I've heard, I've heard pod, not podcast, uh, interviews with footballers. I think they do drown it out because they do speak to each other. Mm. But I guess they must be. It's must be like a switch, right? Because mm. now the coronavirus, they've got no crowd. It must be incredible to be able to think and speak and communicate so clearly yeah. but and try lots of different crazy things yeah. on the pitch so like in theory like their passing should be fine now or like they, they shouldn't be making as many mistakes because yeah. the crowd and they can there's not that switch they have to turn off mm. but with, with a yeah but crowd there must be people watching you the pressure mm. so much more because well, we were talking about this early weren't we like you yeah. might more players that might be inclined to try like crazy shots from outside yeah, the box because yeah, yeah. if you miss that shot in a packed stadium you're getting like you're, you're annoying the entire stadium but oh. like and your teammates <laughs> exactly but if it's just your teammates it's like put your hand up sorry yeah. I'm going to try again though <laughs> and I'll get it you know yeah, it's, exactly. it's, so but yeah like that whole thing of zoning out when those things happen to you when you're comparing yourself and stuff that's just one tiny little like, observation or like, exercise mm. just acknowledge to yourself this is how I was I've let it go now it's fine I'm going to just carry on doing my thing that's a really, it's a really nice summary. I think we've done that because yeah, I get asked so. sometimes um, about, you know, how, how yeah, about these things and uh, like I say, how, how do you stop being? Or if, if even just on my own journey, like how how I've stopped being, how I've, how I've been more patient, how I've stopped comparing mm-hmm. myself to others, and you pick up on different things and how you, what you want to make better, and then you can, can talk about it on a podcast and hopefully help someone else. And I think with that one, we've really sort of put like a, a practical thing to do there is to pick yourself up on it mm-hmm. and those things to talk about earlier, which I can't remember. I think the whole point of like your podcast series though is all about learning and bettering, isn't it? It's development of myself and brain in the conversation. That's yeah. right. And you've let other people in on that journey as well. Let those other people in on the, on the conversations yeah. and such. And you've probably spoken to 200 people and there are some things that correlate and you've also noticed that there are 200 different perspectives mm. on how to go about these things. So, so isn't that crazy, isn't it? Like, it's kind of crazy. Obviously, there's some people have taken the same path. And uh, we mentioned you mentioned something to me earlier that you probably realized what was it that you think it's better if young, yeah, I, from, from talking to so many people, I think 
I, I, I'm of the opinion now that I think it's better to, uh, if you come out of university or college, you don't have to go to university. I've talked about that on the podcast before. But um, I think it's better to go into an agency or, or a studio to learn the job um, or to learn your, your sort of place in the industry um, how to do things, ask people, you're around people that can help you and teach you, make you learn and improve you. I think um, I think it's best to do that. I mean, that's not something I did straight away. Um, and probably should, yeah, probably, I did a couple work experience and things here and there, but I mean like get a, a year or two running an actual agency which you're happy at and, and can progress yourself and then make the decision. Because also you can save up money and it goes back to that point as well. You've got time then to save up money and, and actually give yourself a, a proper foundation, I guess. So yeah, it's an interesting, interesting one. And there's also debates about should you go to university, should you go to agency, should you go freelance straight away. Mm-hmm. But from talking to so many people, the the general gist I'm getting at the moment, and and sort of maybe not wish I'd done it, but sort of I would recommend going into into a studio or or a place of work where you're a designer, around other designers, around people being creative. Mm-hmm and learning the industry on someone else's watch because it's fucking hard to do it on your own coming out of college when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's tricky, you know? And, yeah, so do it. Do so you say it's watch. a mix of recent experience working for an agency, working for a company, and also a mixture of talking to... Yeah, it's like a realisation that I've, I've had in my own career, yeah. If I, could, if I could do it again, I'd find a studio uh, which I'd be happy at because I've worked at a few studios, but I'd find a studio that's doing, and also it takes time as well. It takes time to th- realise what you want to do because I only realised I wanted to do football design and not not general branding a couple of years ago. And, and then it took me a year fully to focus on it to then figure out how do I get a job at a football club. So yeah, it, it will take time. And mm-hmm. it's, it's up to people to make their own minds up. But that's I, would say, I would say I would, I would agree with uh, what you've said with most young creatives who want to get into this kind of field should work for an agency or find an agency, do internships and, you know, find, find, do jobs. But then there's like illustrators who, an illustrator to me is someone who wants to create artwork, tell stories and work with clients. And there isn't as much um, sphere for that, but a lot of illustrators that I know, uh, like in their late thirties to forties, they've got families and they're, they're based in London. They've all got backgrounds in agencies mm. as graphic designers as art workers, as, a lot, yeah. yeah, people that worked in advertising. So they commissioned illustrators, but they've also had an inkling what, that they wanted to do illustration. They've been on the other well. side of it, yeah. That's it. Yeah, so they've been on the other experience. side. But very, but now we're, we're seeing that that we have, like over the past like decade and a bit, there are more illustrators coming through from uni and going about it on their own, yeah. not you know, and doing the whole freelance thing, which is a harder journey. Absolutely, but, but not every illustrator is making it, but mm. the core that are making it are good people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say that, like, I mean, there are there is tears to this. Some people are really good, some people are okay, and some people are underdeveloped. And it's it's a dog eat dog industry. Mm. If you're underdeveloped and you want to go freelance and you're not getting the followers or you're not getting the work or people aren't paying attention to the work, then you have to start looking inward and be honest with yourself and, and think: Is this work good enough? Like, does this appeal to anyone? And it, it, does it appeal to me? Mm. You know, am I impressed with it? And then you have to kind of build like a personal standard, like what is good work, and recognize what is good work. Sometimes there's work out there that's not good work. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. But you have to kind of be mindful of they probably just, you know, there's other parts to it. Like they, they're good at networking and such. Uh-huh. You couldn't have 
you couldn't have bands like oh, music artists like uh, let me try and be very current like Ariana Grande or something <laughs> if she wasn't good at doing all the other stuff mm-hmm. like the rehearsals the so, the, the, me, the PR the media appearances like mm-hmm. you could be like super talented or something but if you haven't got everything else you're just someone who could sing yeah right yeah yeah I don't know if that was a good analogy but I no you're to, right I try to stay current Absolutely. to the audience yeah you are right there yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a it's such a it's such a mix of everything of mm. of financials the uh, network the people you, you know and, and then your design work um, I'm going to get glass walls quickly but uh, yeah that's an interesting one I'm going to Go on. It's still going. That's good. But yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because I think like I I um, I kind of connect more with people that thank you that don't have a structure to how they do things or like I don't really it doesn't really appeal to me. Like let me like a good example is like the. The illustrators that, I, that I'm in uh, the studio with, like Justin Poulter and Payton, or he's known as Pate, like they work on Adobe Illustrator a lot. They vector all their work. And I'm very jealous at how like their artwork looks clean and crisp because they use vectors. And and so I've started to experiment with vector recently. And I just started just like vectoring some of my line work in vector. And I hate it. I hate the... I kind of like the process and I hate it at the same time. It goes, it totally goes against my it's too perfect and all right. freedom of movement. Yeah, right. like my freedom of movement, my lines are me. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like when you're plotting, you're plotting points and setting angles and stuff on Illustrator. But yeah. that I can see how people are in tune with that. It's quite therapeutic when you're kind of natural to it. But then, like I've done two pieces of work where I've done these like abstract faces, and I've done it vector, and I've shown the original that I've drawn, and I've shown people, and, and a lot of people say they like the my original more than the vector mm. i like the vector because it, it shows my work in a different light where every line is equal and that kind of thing but then it totally goes against me as as a creative like how i work i work quite ad hoc right and i work to i work to a structure obviously but it's the reason why i didn't become a graphic designer even though i studied graphic design for two years was to I tried to break the boundaries when I was at uni, like break my own boundaries and break the boundaries of graphic design and not work to a grid and all this kind of stuff. Like David Carson. Yeah, even yeah, David yeah. Carson is still stuck to a kind of grid There's system. a lot of rules in design. And yeah. illustrators do operate out of those rules. That's it. more free. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, well, actually, also, one, one thing I, I... Carrying on for that conversation, we just had a frog at the water. Um, setting a standard for your work, knowing where you are in the industry is something that I don't think enough people know especially younger creatives coming coming out if you're trying to make it freelance you've got to have people around you that you can go back and forth and get actual feedback on and constantly mm. like at least three people I'd say at least three people different individuals other designers that you are um, admirers of mm. and just ask them for feedback and constantly keep doing it um, yeah I don't think that's done enough and, and that's then you don't get a perspective of where you are in the industry. Mm. I don't think there's... Um, Do you think some people are too precious about their work? Or, or they don't want to get feedback and then mm. realise it's bad? Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah. Or they're just not... They don't know how to speak to people or they don't know how to get in touch with people for feedback or... Um, there's loads of ways, loads of reasons why people don't don't ask for feedback. Mm. But 
such a bad step. I think getting feedback is one of the most valuable things you can do. You know what? Since moving to London, I've found that I get more feedback when I ask for it right. in London amongst people around me. Whereas like in people, Sheffield, people you, in London give you more feedback. Yeah. Whereas like in Sheffield, people weren't. They're just like, "Oh, we love it." Right. And there's only a certain point after a while where you're like, "This isn't good enough." Like, it, I could just be totally in a bubble here. Um, then you know, I <laughs> I got to a point where I was actively trying to find forums like. Are there art forums where people talk, bitch and talk about work? Because I want to see if anyone's like, oh, Joe Law's work's rubbish, like that. <laughs> like, if I if I could see that, yeah. then that wouldn't really be feedback, would it? No, but it's like, deconstructive. Yeah, it's deconstructive, yeah. But like in London, I think it's just being in the space that I'm in now. Like, I have good people around me. I can ask them, like, what do you think to this? And they would give me like, oh, I think it's interesting. I would probably add this or why is this Why is this thing here? Yeah, yeah. Like they, because they're, brought up in backgrounds agency backgrounds where everything was scrutinized every line every object every color has to have a purpose in your piece just like if you're doing a program design or if you're doing an advert mm. everything that you're given has to have a purpose you yeah. can't just have like willy-nilly lines and textures for no reason it's like why why the texture what does that say yeah. and even though those are like those are the points that i used to try and make to myself when i was in sheffield and i was giving myself feedback like why is this here why is this there mm. but in sheffield it's just like oh yeah it's cool like everyone I knew and you know even because I knew too many people and they're just polite the the agency scene in, in the north and the creative scene in the north isn't as brutal as it is down here obviously there is still some like underhand bitching and that kind of yeah. thing in the north but that's the same with every scene right maybe you just maybe you grew your work in a place which, where it loved you and you need to go outside of that to, to get actual feedback again yeah, yeah I got sick of all the love yeah <laughs> we're good at you're a big thing in Sheffield right? no no no, no. that's not even what I'm trying to say I'm not using this as a platform to uh, but no it's. I think like it's just you're always scared of resting on your laurels aren't you could you imagine being a freelancer in like like where like in your mom and dad's place like, mm. could you imagine being a freelancer for like the next five years there oh no that's why I moved yeah mm, exactly so and I always kicked myself for not moving down sooner but then I realised Moving down as a thirty-year-old, well, actually not like mid-thirty-year-old, has its advantages. It has its advantages. You're a lot more aware of yourself, so you're not trying to. I don't. I don't feel like I need to impress people. Yeah. Or I just do whatever I want to do, whatever, and things just naturally kind of like work around you in a nice way. If you're if you're a, a person who's, a, who's comfortable with himself, you're nice to people, you know, then things react around you in that way mm. as well. And I kind of come across this idea of living in, I'm, I'm experiencing and, and chasing my own bliss by being down here. You word, know, guess, the yeah. bliss of like, it's yours. This is my, this is mine and I'm enjoying it and I'm getting something out of it. And no one is dictating that. Not like society, not yeah. like, you know, it's like, oh, I want to, I don't know anyone who it's like people who want to become accountants like because they want to earn loads of money why do they want to earn loads of money to get a nice house nice car go on holiday and to some people that's their bliss in a way um and like i'm not going to judge them for that if that's what they want in life then great you want comfort and joy and fun that's great my joys and fun like yours are probably different you know my joys and fun are just awesome. seeing how far i can go i can be out there in the world doing stuff how yeah. many people i can meet how many people i can help meeting people that can help me. You know what I mean? It's, this is what I'm down here for. And I've since I moved down, I've met some incredible people. Just like 
I got a new bunch of friends down here who a year ago I didn't really know, but now I feel really tight with them. And my housemates, I love my housemates. I love the people in the studio. We, you know, it's these things I wasn't even expecting when I moved down here. These weren't if you if you move down with one intention, then other things start attaching themselves to that, and you're like, oh, it's kind of nice. You know, if you're not the things that you don't look for always come to you in some way. They manifest in some weird way. Do you, do you think many people are uh, taking control of their own lives? Because mm. it is our life, right? And it's going to get really very deep. Um, and I, I do want to bring it back to the point we are making earlier on about getting feedback because that's a really important point. Mm. And um, yeah, it would be good to finish that point off. But do you, do you, how many people do you think are um, actively living their own life rather than just sort of going through it? Like how many people are taking control of it and and, and and like making decisions for themselves, like progressing? And because this comes back to the success thing as well. What is your level of success? Because mm. yeah, I feel like a lot of people are <laughs> just drifting. The idea of control is an interesting thing because it is because okay, we don't always yeah. I mean, the government we don't have control over everything in our lives. Yeah, because if you yeah, because you think about it, your your mind, your life you're in control of everything that's immediately around you, but the things that are beyond you are out of your control. And that's where people kind of manifest like stress and anxiety because there's always like an impending thing that you don't know is around the corner. Mm. Like I could be made redundant next week, that kind of thing. That's a big, that's been a big one. Right. And that's looming over a lot of people's heads that are on furlough. And so they're not in control. All they are in control of is how they react and how they can uh, prepare themselves for it. But then there's always that kind of hidden impending thing, like what's going to happen after the furlough, uh, furloughs ended, yeah. you know. So, and I, so I do kind of feel that like the the traditional way of looking at uh, how people live their lives in like the '90s and stuff is that people were drifting in and mm. out of like working in offices and all that kind of stuff. You kind of feel like if you work in an office, you're out, you're not in control of your life because you need the job, you need to pay mortgage and all that kind of thing. You're but then you still have choices to make, so you are in control. But I kind of feel that like control is an interesting, um, it's too far a deep talking point for me to kind of answer on the spot. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I'm starting to realize. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna meditate it's, on that. But it's an interesting one, because mm. something I tried to implement a little bit in my, my own life, um, at the right part age of 22, is yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds so old. You're bugger. <laughs> uh, is is the idea of extreme ownership of of things? Um, mm. I heard this from podcast and Jocko Willink and Joe Rogan. So, um, but taking con- taking control or blaming yourself for things or uh, say like a furlough, for example. Mm. I'm lucky enough to not be in that situation, but um, when it came to making redundancies, obviously it's quite public knowledge. I asked my 55 redundancies. Mm. There's a reason why I probably wasn't one of them. It's because I tr- obviously I wasn't there long enough, probably. But also, I tried to make myself indispensable. That's, that's what you got to do. If you're in a job, you got to make yourself indispensable. You got to make yourself a, a, a part of that job or part of the company. So we're to the point where they actually really need you there or want I you there. I agree. Actually, I also think it's kind of in on one hand, yeah, it's quite a brutal approach. But it's also, I mean, it's survival. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it comes down to that. Yeah. And if you take ownership of why you may get made redundant, or you might, I mean, it's not, and this isn't doesn't always work. So hmm. if you have been made redundant, I'm very sorry. And if it wasn't completely your fault, or yeah, your fault. yeah. 
because sometimes it is, it is the opposite way, and there's probably some people listening thinking, oh, you dickhead. But, um, <laughs> it was... it's, but then, it's, it, you know, to employers, they will want to keep hold of the person that they see as indispensable. Yeah. Even if you are overreaching and, you've, and you can do three people's jobs at kind of like a certain standard, then, you know, the, the, the negative side of that is that a company will look at that and go, yeah, great, we're going to milk this as much as we can. You know, but yeah. you still got a job. You can move to London, and you know it's, it's this is your journey, right? And like I'm living mine, and I and think that's that's what that's what my level of success is. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying. To... It feels like I know what you're trying. To, I know what you're talking about, and I know that like there is there's always like some kind of guilt involved and such, but it's like at the end of the day, you can feel guilty about other people, but if you're willing to make the sacrifice and go, you know what. I voluntarily make myself redundant so you can keep your job, then that's great. But then if you don't, you're just surviving like everyone else. It's the system at place. It's the game itself. It's the game itself, not the players. Mm. That's how I see it. It's not really like... I don't know. Some people might just say, oh, what a heartless, what a heartless, uh, <laughs> what a heartless guy. He has no empathy for other people. And I'm just like, well, yeah, there's, I've got plenty of time for empathy. Like we all do. But then at yeah. the end of the day, we all have to like, we're all like looking out for ourselves first and foremost as well. Yeah. Right. It's just, that's just a brutal, honest thing that you have to kind of, kind of be at peace with, you know? It's an interesting conversation. Yeah. Mm. But it's interesting though, because like if you can make yourself indispensable, it's it seems to be the way things are going. So like I I don't know if I mentioned it in the last podcast that we were on, but you know, I had some friends who were applying for they were made redundant from their design jobs. They were applying for work. And like the job descriptions for the same bracket of uh salary was asking for web design skills, mm. graphic design, artworking and film editing. So it's just like, what? That's you know, for the same bracket, not like even five or six grand more, ten grand more. Like no. So that person would have to do everything as well as like do the magazine stuff and do the web stuff and do the filming and editing and stuff like that. You know, well, if they don't have equipment, they might use the company's equipment, but then it's, you know, if I was applying for the job and I could do it, I'd just be like, this is bullshit. I've got to do way more work. But then if you're desperate for work, you'll be like, fuck it, I'll take it. Mm. You'll do it. And that's that little niggling voice like, yeah, but you never used to have to do this. It's like, things are different now. You have to adapt. You have to adapt. Or, yeah, or, or you can look at it and be grateful and, mm-hmm. and think, oh, I can do all of this. Maybe I can be a really good value to this company if I want to work for them. Yeah, it's like when uh, there's an interesting analogy I heard on a podcast. I don't know if it was a, a Rogan or something else, but like it's like when cars came into play, right? And people used to like make make a living off like uh, riding horse and carriage. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you bitch and moan about cars or do you learn how to drive a car so you can drive other yeah. people around? That happens a lot though, doesn't it? That yeah. happens really often. It's it like design, into the design scene when computers came along. Mm. There's all these kids using Photoshop and, and people are still trying to draw it by hand. And That's it, yeah. It's, time's changing. There's right? interesting... There's we're we're going to have this as well. It's going to be fuck us over mentally as yeah. well when this happens to our, our generation. There's interesting discussions about this. Do you remember, did you watch the interview with Andrew Yang and Joe yeah, Rogan? Probably, yeah. <laughs> when, so like he was like a Democrat uh, nominee and like his, his he, he wanted to like introduce a universal basic income and to protect but he was also like really into um, I don't know if he was really into 
he's like a, a tech guru and he was talking about automation and how automation in the next decade will start to kind of infiltrate jobs. It could infiltrate things like trucking and all that kind mm. of stuff, infiltrate like more warehouse jobs. And he was kind of saying how like, oh yeah, it'd be a shame these people like lose their warehouse jobs. But like, do you think humans were actually meant to work in warehouses or can they learn to use this and innovate? You know, but like a lot of his policies, I was like, oh, they would just never fly in America. But it made me think, it's true though. Like yeah. we're not meant to sit hunched at desks all the time. We, you know, evolution and kind of allowed us to move and we're supposed to be moving all the time, which is why we have to fit in like spouts of exercise to kind of keep our weight down because a lot of the time we just sat there and then like walk to work, sit there, yeah, eat lunch, yeah, yeah. sit there. And then like if we didn't exercise, we just put more weight on mm. and such. And there's something in that where I kind of think like it's about adapting. You have to adapt all the time. So yeah. one day my artwork might become obsolete. I don't know. Like maybe people are just like, oh, you draw you draw it that's weird like you're supposed to mind map it using your mind i'll learn how to do that mm. um like i've been teaching myself how to make gifts and animate because other people are doing it that's a big one right now as well for people listening um learn motion graphics if you're a designer so that's yeah. going to be the next thing i know everyone said that about coding but this is especially mm. if you're working in sports design this motion is motion graphics this is the thing that will get you the job mm-hmm. learn if you if design. you have a basic understanding of motion graphics and like if you know how to make like gifts and things. The amount of jobs I've had to turn out because I have, because I'm not confident enough yet to take on uh, those motion graphics yeah. jobs. And well, in a weird way, you can be lucky where you can be like repped by an agency like Jelly. They have an in-house production team. So as an illustrator, you just take yeah. it to the production team. They do it all for Sadly. you. But if you're on your own, it's also a good to partner up with someone that you know, someone who does 3D mm. animation, motion graphics, whatever. Or if you have the time and patience, like teach yourself, you teach yourself anything. Yeah. You know, you're gonna, if you apply yourself, it's just, it's like to get to that standard where it's good, you have to put a lot of hours in, you know, to hone in the craft. But it's all about adaptability. If you're backed into a corner, what do you do? Do you curl up or do you come out fighting? That's it. I remember watching, when I started uni, I watched Lost. You ever watched Lost? I don't think I have. Do you know the premise of it? All right, people just wait. They're on a flight, and then all of a sudden they wake up. They crash landed on an island. Oh, okay, yeah, so it's yeah, like so. Fine. Before like Lost became this thing, I just watched the first episode, thinking, "What would I do if I was on that island?" Mm. Like, it's fight or flight, and you have to fight. Fight the monkeys and the rats. Well, yeah. If you if it's flight, you're just like you just you just give yourself up to death. You're just like you know you start thinking about these horrible it's situations. True. Like, what would you do? Uh, I'd come back kicking. If 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 like an animal's cornered me, what do I do? It's like, do I let it attack me or do I go, I can scare this thing. I can fight back. I can scare it away if I fight back. So you adapt to the situation. Mm. Now, I've never been made redundant or I've never been fired from a job or anything like that. And I can imagine you go through all those steps like rejection. You feel sad. You feel angry. You feel anxious. Sad again. Yeah, That's natural. You have to go through it. But then if I allow myself another week of doing that, then I'm not adapting to the situation. I'm not kind of like picking myself up and looking for another job. Because in a weird way, your friends will care about you, but the world doesn't care that you lost mm. your job. Only you can do something about it. And this is that ownership of it again. Mm. So that when it comes back in, all right, that's happened. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. But I also speak from a place of privilege where I also know that I can think this way because 
I don't have any other obstacles to stop me from getting a job. I've got a computer. I have, if I need to go to a face-to-face interview, I have the clothes for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I have the means to get another job. It yeah. just takes time. But then there are people out there that don't have the means. Like they don't have a computer. They don't have all of these different things. So then again, it's like, that's mindfulness again. You're thinking of your situation. It's like, yeah, I, if things are bad, then I have ways to get back on. Absolutely. On the wagon. So it's that kind of thing. But it's all about how well you adapt to the situation. And now you'll find that you're adapting to life in London and you will do over the next couple of months, right? And there could be another lockdown and you'll experience what that's like. I ran away during the lockdown, so I, w- I wish I was down here just to experience it because mm. I could have gone on these like crazy walks when no one's around mm. and taking pictures. I, like, I, really, I was jealous of the people I was doing that. that. This is a jealousy thing, but no, I, I, was, I was thinking oh, I should have gone to London and, and taken some pictures. But this was a point where uh, the media were hyping up everything, so everyone was going to die as soon as you got it. Mm. Um, mm. So, yeah. But, yeah, some of the pictures of London were incredible. I'm, I'm so glad people did take them and got them made. Because yeah. they're, they're beautiful photos. Mm. Just empty London. There's always a weird way to kind of, like, usher in the new decade, though, isn't it? This, like, crazy, uh, like, yeah. life or death situation that's, like, kind of brought... Cake or death. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> Cake uh... or death, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. But, um, what was the other point you were going to bring up? I don't know. That's, I love Eddie Hazard. That, that was, that, have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. Cake or death. That's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, success. Uh, if you're going to go down the deep roll, rabbit hole with me. Mm. We were talking about this on a podcast the other day with, um, uh, with all of us, actually. And uh, we are outspoken, the women on, who, who do that um, on Instagram and, and their podcast. What is, what was your parameter of success? What do you think success is? In, what is it when in I first mind? started off, success was getting work uh, out there in the open, and um, and getting work commissioned by you know a list of big clients like Google and mm. all these big people. So that happened over the period of like time, like nine years. You know, work for Facebook and all these evil people, I guess. <laughs> I worked for all these evil people making like Data fun. stealing people. Yeah, making this like fun, cutesy artwork for them in their offices. <laughs> Disney, Walt Disney, and all these other people. Yeah. And I think after maybe I did like the third or fourth Facebook mural, I was like, oh, okay. The shine definitely starts to go because by then I had an agent and they were getting me work for Google. Mm. They were getting me like. Uh, like they were putting my work in front of like big people and so you kind of think oh that's achievable now it's achievable but then what I've come to realize was success isn't one big pot of gold at the end of the rainbow it's many different pots on the pathway to the end of the rainbow and the end of the rainbow is death (laughs) is when then you can look back on all those different pots and be like yeah that was good not like it's one big pot like you hit the jackpot and it's all good from there on in that's a silly way of looking at it it's it's all the different stops along that way to the end of it. Mm. So success to me now is like a gradual thing of many different things. But now my idea of success also is being able to self-publish something or um, make something that people like. Yeah, that's totally me. I've not made it so people can like it. I made it for myself. People get on board with it and you know they buy it or they want to be involved in it. So that's kind of like my idea of success now. Like this connection with people who you never meet. 
and who you know and the work means something to them as well as as much as it means to you but um i also think success is like the idea of you're happy with whatever result you know yeah yeah i'm just trying to think about Mm. Uh, yeah that's good but when i was younger it was about like kind of you know it's about the it's the accolade, isn't it? It's like, oh, right. I'm, on, I'm on the front cover of this magazine, yeah. and I'm this, I'm that. But then very quickly, like after a year or so, when that happens, you're like, oh, it, it that that feeling, it's like a drug, like drugs, you know, like drugs and alcohol. It's great at the time, and then it's like, oh, and then you, but then some people crave more of it and more and more. But then like you become more immune to it, so then you take more of it. So it's, it's the same almost. If that's what you kind of crave, and some people, by the time like they hit, like they've been like ten years, fifteen years into the career, it's just like, oh, I've got this magazine cover. Oh, I've got this. It's just you know, it's fun, but then it's like that the paycheck's nice, you know, and then like that'll give them some comfort. Maybe their successes privately, my success would be having a home and having, you know, like things that I want to collect, or I might have a kid, or mm, that kind of stuff. Success. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. there's definitely different answers to it and you know, everyone's individual and mm. it's interesting to hear different people's level of like what's been the most interesting ones that you've heard from other people well I mean I, I used to say this as well I want to go right to the top I want to be the best designer ever and I sort of think which now looking now realising a couple of years down the line actually it's probably not well, a couple of months down the line mm. it's probably really not going to happen is it maybe I could be the best football creator or maybe I could have a really fruitful football design career or like maybe I could work in all of the top football clubs in the world and that would be amazing and that mm. probably give me a lot of joy and a lot of success so I think it ultimately does for me come down to to success and joy mm. joy getting joy out of the things I'm doing and having like you say those stops on the ladder on the journey mm. but it's, it's still, I'm still trying to work it out and, and that like, for me that is also the meaning of life as well as like how, how how do I make this life an interesting one which I, I would enjoy Maybe it's not something that I'm left with or I leave to the world, but maybe it's something that I go on the path of this journey and, and then like get to be really happy at the end of it. It's very spiritual. It's interesting. I'm, I'm trying to think about it quite a lot. I, mm. I don't know if it's healthy to have a like a saying or a motto or something, or a, or a, this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is because I haven't worked it out yet. I think that was a very refreshing take on like you're looking at it from a very spiritual aspect. And that's kind of where I'm at in life at the moment, where like, I start to realize that the things that I was trying to achieve are, you know, very kind of materialistic. I know it's kind of cool to be not materialistic and stuff, but (laughs) once you kind of, I I used to be really bad with materialism. Like I'd I'd spend like so much money on clothes and all these other things. And at the end of the day, they're just things. I used to get worked up about it. Hey, worked up about things, right? But then in an instant, if I need to like, you know, like to save my life, leave this flat before it burns down. I'm not going to rescue all my things. Mm. I'm just going to go, right? So then you're looking at this thing. You're looking at the journey in a way where it, how it connects with other people, how it connects with you, and you know what? Maybe the idea of success is to be f- is to feel fully at peace. You know, you're yeah. like, you're, you're at peace with everything, and but- you enjoy you you get joy and bliss out of the stuff that you make. Right, and do, right, and it's purely for you, and it's like it's driven purely by you, not driven by outside forces. And 
people just kind of go, oh, I want to be like you mm. because your path is your path speaks to me. But then you're not doing it for that. It's just a natural byproduct. I think that is what success would be to me. Like you have this connection yeah. with people and you do, you already have a connection with quite a lot of people and such. And, you know, you're still relatively young and you know what? I'm still relatively young as well. And I kind of feel like I still have a lot of things that I want to connect people with. I still want to connect with people, you yeah. know, like that's why I still get, to, that's why I still want to teach. And, mm. and, but I don't want to teach them like, this is how you get work and this is how you do this because I don't want, Obviously, I want these kids to get work, but I don't want to teach them my way because my way could be fuck all compared to like someone else's. They've got to work it out on their own. They yeah. they need to do what you're doing. They need to listen to as many different people, then read between the lines because I'm sure you've realized there's no one size fits all answer to any of this. No. Is there? All this podcast is is exactly that. It's no yes, no, or right, wrong. We can only give advice. That's all that's every podcast. You only give advice and then mm. you take bits from each podcast you like. And put it into your own life and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, you forget about it. And you usually try and try again. But I do like the peace, I think. I do, I do like the, the that could be the meaning of life to find peace. But then mm. for me, that would be going to like Thailand and like sitting on a beach all day and like playing football. Or, could be or, that. But yeah, so, so, so like finding peace isn't the answer for me because I always have this thing called ambition. <laughs> like I want to get to the next thing, I want to get to the next level, I want to be better. That's great. Maybe and, you need to do that first. Yeah, well, I mean, current currently is, yeah, yeah, maybe it's at first, but currently it's like I, I always want to be doing that. I always want to have some level of vision. Mm. Otherwise, I feel like a, a little bit of me died. I guess that's my current thought at twenty two. I'd be interested mm-hmm. to look back on it, but um, yeah. So like, I guess leveling up, and and I talked about a little bit on the other podcast about which weirdly will come out after this one, but about um, working for, for a football club that's lower league than Arsenal. I, I almost like a step down. I always feel like I need to be on the next sort of thing upwards. I see, yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so so we'll see where it goes. But I don't think it's a bad thing, actually, like to kind of relate it to how you see uh, the systems that work in sports, <laughs> especially like clubs and things. Yeah. Because, like, you know, it's a way that you understand how you can motivate yourself and work It's a very towards. practical... Yeah, it's a practical analysis, way of analogy, looking yeah. at it, yeah. Yeah. And and when things don't like, like in the past, I've lost I've I've lost some kind of work in the past, and I have no ill feeling about it, right? But you know, I've introduced someone to a job, and in the my back of my mind, I kind of I knew that this person was like really talented, mm-hmm. so they could probably replace me on this job, like down the line. And when that kind of happened, you know, we just like had a chat about it, had a laugh about it. It's totally fine, but. Then it started making me think. Like, imagine you're, um, you know, you're a new signing for a team, and you you play on the right wing, and then a few months down the line, they sign another right winger. And you're like, why they sign another one? I guess it's strength and depth, I guess. But then, like, but then I can imagine how players must feel because they have to work with that person, train with that person, and then in training they might up their game a bit more so to make yeah, sure they're always. But it's their job picked. then to get. To be better than yeah. a new person. But it also feels brutal when you think about it. I used to play football manager. Goes, and have, isn't it? Yeah, I used to play football manager and have like three or four wingers like as backup. Mm. And then you know you don't empathize because it it's just a stat-based video game. But then, imagine if you were a football manager mm. and you're dealing with personalities and people. Yeah, yeah. And if you're that person, it's like, oh, am I getting replaced? Well, as someone that's been, but you recognize talent on a football pitch all my life. Um, 
I've had this yeah, and that that want to get on the pitch has always driven me as well. Mm. But also on FIFA, when you're playing FIFA, you get. So I signed Kieran Tierney and uh, Robertson um, on FIFA and Friends of Milan, and they're both left backs, and they're both like same ratings and everything. And they're both really really good, and um, the on FIFA on manager mode, you you get messages from the players. So do they have yeah? Do they have like feelings? They haven't been playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. and you have to reply to them like emails. It's mental. Like, but but it's just, that's sophisticated it's a part of the game. Like, do they? Yeah, they say stuff like, "Oh, I feel like you're leaving me out." And stuff. Yeah, yeah, or I want a wage increase and all sorts. Yeah, it's it's so crazy. Yeah, it's just like football manager, but you get to play as a team. Yeah, yeah, and and apparently FIFA 21 is going to be really good in manager mode. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's so it's interesting that how, how we see it. Um, mm. I, I, as part of this ambition is always it's a, it's a huge part of my life right now, mm. and it I want to keep it going. But I, it, I, yeah, I'm never be able to find the peace. But it, it's also I heard another thing on. Joe Rogan, I think again, which um, he was saying, I'm not, I, I don't have a lot of self doubt, but I am very self critical. I thought mm. that was a really nice point because I, I've constantly been looking at it. Oh, why is my work not good enough? Or, or like, mm. why am I, why am I not getting to these places? But actually, it's, it's actually it's just a lot. It's just just been very self critical. Where you're just like, oh, mm. I actually got a lot of ambition. I'm always constantly sort of thinking of my work in a critical way, which means mm. I'm, I'm going to constantly be leveling it up. So doubt, than, self-doubt is like the lower end of that scale then, isn't it? Yeah, it's like or, the pit. where you don't think you can do anything, you don't act yeah. on it. That's the sort of thing you need to leave behind. But self-criticalness, I think, is really important, actually. It's true. That's a dangerous road at times as well, though. Yeah, like, of course. You can, I can, a lot of these things are very fine line. I don't, yeah, yeah. It's like a knife edge a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, I can be very self-critical and like get into funks yeah. about like work and how like nothing I'm doing is good enough. Even though then I can look at it with fresh eyes after a month and be like, Actually, no, I quite like this. It's, it's, it's that head cycle you can, you can kind of get yourself into if you don't talk to other people outside of your head and mm. show them the work or like put it online and see. But then again, that's not even a good litmus test, putting uh, stuff on Instagram. Uh, the best way so, I found out of getting, getting feedback, not putting online, but messaging people directly, mm. getting feedback from your peers, or not peers, sorry, people, peers mm. are people the same age as you, isn't it? Or roughly, saying, okay, not people. Peers like are people that are just in the same circle as you, okay, like industry or whatever. I, I get, yeah, yeah, I get feedback from from yeah, people like yourself or Dave Will or, or like people that are ahead of me, um, and and you know, years ahead of me and uh, like decades, and um, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Get that pro- is the best way feedback. To do it. That is the best way to do it, and I. I have my agents that I send my work to because I guess the mm. feedback I want is not from a practitioner's point of view, but a marketability and will this work? And have you talked to anyone? You know, you know what I mean? They're the ones who are, it's their job. It's their job to like make sure the work is at standard where they're happy to put it on the website. They're happy to share it. They're also happy to show client potential clients like, Oh, do you have anyone who does sports? It's like, Oh yeah, yeah. this person. So they're my litmus test. Like I show them the work there, but just, you know, like, putting things on Instagram is not a good I, I've come to realise like Instagram someone made a joke about it in the studio yesterday like oh Gio he's up on the gram that kind of thing it's like why it's like oh you could post to it but I don't but I have a system but I don't like overthink it anymore I just yeah. do it without thinking now because it's just there's just no point agonising like oh do I post at lunch do I post in the morning do I post in the evening what hashtags do I use yeah, I just do it out. you've got to cut that bullshit out but then people are like no 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 you need to target and stuff I'm like you know what I don't care about that stuff I just want to be organic and if the system itself is not allowing my work to go up the feed then fuck it 
it's just a crappy system, you know. And you're and you're on Instagram competing with like influencers again, like duck face people. Mm. That are like, oh, I'm trying out this new lip toner and all this kind of stuff. Fine. It's just like a. It's like That's Instagram me. is the internet, basically, where there's anything and yeah. anything that can go on it. And like I was just saying to you earlier, I think it was a friend of mine, Matt Matt Saunders, who made this point on uh, Twitter. So it's, like, it's interesting how something like Behance, which is purely a design orientated profile, almost social media kind of page thing where you put projects up and things, how projects from like years ago can be bumped up the feed again because people are liking it. But like an Instagram, no one will ever like a picture that you did two weeks ago because it's just buried. That's it. It's yeah. there, but it's buried and people can't see it. And I was like, that is very interesting. And it made me think about what Instagram is. It's just the internet <laughs> in visual form with very little captions. And it's just not a good way for illustrators to judge how popular the work is. But, you know, you see illustrators that have like 20,000 followers and they get 2,000 likes. I'm like, 20,000 followers? Why aren't they getting 18,000 likes? Yeah. Why are 20,000 people following them? Because they probably either don't see it and some people just don't double tap. And it doesn't mean anything, does it? Well, once you realise that Instagram isn't built for boosting people's portfolios and it's built for engagement, it's That's built it. for... Yeah. Other means, other things. It's not built for... Yeah designers it's, it's it's not built for anyone really no it's not it's built for engagement and, and gambling basically mm. it is a gamble so if you look into why Instagram has certain features like the refresh button like the refresh pull tab yeah it's like a slot the machine slot machine yeah um, waiting for it's such a it's a dopamine hit isn't it up thing if you look into that that really gets me Go yeah have you watched the, the social dilemma on Netflix is that the one where Tories paid people to. Oh, oh no, that's the the great hack. I think <laughs> oh, I haven't yeah. seen that one, but the social dilemma is actually a really good kind of overall case study of like ugh, the dark the dark evils of like social media and yeah. how the technologies like kind of hooked us in. It's it's really good watch. It's also quite scary if you've got if you've had kids over the past five years and you've given them access to devices, and sometimes it's not through any fault of the parent. It's just like. That's just the way things are. It's really scary. I see my younger cousins like they're they need devices and stuff, and I'm just like, oh man, like how would I wrangle it if I was a parent? I don't. Yeah. Know. yeah, yeah. Watch the social dilemma. That is good. But yeah, so that's made me even give Instagram an even more critical view of like, there's no community on there. Like, I mean, you unless you're like a super celeb, you know, if you're like, uh, like. Bella Hadid or all these other people that get or like Kim Kardashian and stuff mm. but as like just a mid-level illustrator mid-level graphic designer that's you know who appeals to peers it's not really it's not the be all or end all but god damn it I know a lot of younger artists and illustrators that you know they're kind of like oh, I don't get much interaction on my Instagram but I'm like still still try still put it on there actually but don't see it as like it's definitely not a um, it's not a rating system for your work mm. at all. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't. For some reason you you, you got to get out of the headspace mm. of getting validation through Instagram. Mm. And that may come down to not talking to enough people. Uh-huh. If, if you're trying to get validation through Instagram and likes, it means you don't talk to enough people. Uh-huh. That's 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 just, yeah. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, just I just thought that, and that's what blew my mind. Yeah, that's true, actually. Fucking talk to people. Get like get feed proper feedback, not fucking likes. 
And that's going to be a clip. Do you know what? No, yeah, that's a good clip. Do you know what? Really, do you know, uh, this, this is clip worthy. This is clip worthy. If there are any young illustrators, artists, or whoever, you know, reaching out for advice, especially if you're a student, it's a common courtesy to just reply back and say thank you. That like, do you know the amount of times over the past like 10 years I've had emails from students and I don't know why I always reply. I always oblige because I'm like, I used to be you, you know. Yeah. And like, they'll give me 10, anything between 4 to 15 questions and I'll always spend time and reply back. I don't think about, I don't think about like, oh, I better get a thank you or an acknowledgement. I just go, oh, I'll just do it. But I'm just thinking about it now. And like one time I replied to someone's email and it was like 20 questions. I was like, oh, it's slow. It used to be a game called 20 questions, didn't it? Yeah, there was, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was just like, oh, how would you get into it? And what should I use? All these kinds of questions. I was like, wow, this person's asking me everything. Yeah. I'm like, I'd put a disclaimer at the, at the start, like, sure, like this, there's no one size fits all answer, but this is how I did it. And I yeah. can spend an hour of my lunch break. I can give myself a long lunch break, whatever. Just like replying back to this person. And then, you know, a week afterwards, I got another email from another student. And I was like, did the other student reply back and say thank you? Nothing. And I was just like, that is so... I just felt at that time, that is so ungrateful. Even though I just said earlier, maybe five minutes earlier, I'm just here to help people and yep. stuff. But then you kind of like, no, oh, that's kind of crap though at the same time. 100%. This is something that's come you know. up recently on, on a few podcasts is manners. Um, yeah, manners. We've lost it in this generation of, of social media and, and younger people. I think there's something something about it. Just, yeah, just, do you think there's manners like... Just gone. Yeah, do you think there's like some some kind of entitlement there? Then like yeah, social media is allowed. I don't know. I don't know if it's social media, but it's come along with this generation and my generation. It's I think manners has been lost a bit, and yeah, mostly down to how you've been brought up. Or uh, it might be down to that because a lot of parents from like earlier generations, like let's just say <laughs> my parents, they were they were quite liberal with me, but they also like knew when to rein me in. Mm. But the amount of times I've seen younger parents that kind of like give. You know they give their their kids total freedom, which is nice, but also you don't know what that kind of teaches them because the parent will always give them stuff, you know. So I don't know if like they if subconsciously you grow up and you think that like when you go up into the industry it's like oh well I should get this. And this is an issue like when we talked about the comparison thing. God, I sound like it. an old man. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> it's a good conversation. And and the comparison thing again, I come back to that again. When you compare yourself to someone that's forty years, or forty years old, and you're twenty, and that, that's the thing, the entitlement thing. That's where like mm. it comes in where you're, you're thinking, oh, I mean, the classic one for me, and listeners will know, is the Christo thing. Is um, when I compare myself to the future, you know, this this Christo amazing empire of design and, and resources got going. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 you don't look at it in the right way. Yeah, right. It's such a fucking mess when you look at it in the wrong way and it really fucks you mm. over. Your but like you said, the manners, it's like... Yeah, so yeah, manners... The... It's, it's just this idea of like just kind of acknowledging that the person is willing to help you. And you know what? That's an indicator. That's an indication. If I was like hiring and looking for people to you know work for me or whatever, and, you, and I'm sure like loads of... Um, like design agency people get emails, got loads of emails over the summer from like newly graduated students and all that kind of thing. And you just know how to sift through them because you'll look at some of the emails and they'll be like, I'm a graphic designer. And like, basically it's just a blank, 
like template email that they've sent to other agencies and they haven't catered that email to kind of show that they are, they want to work for my agency because they like the work that I did here They because they've seen some of the case studies and they feel like they can apply. I wouldn't want to hire someone like that, that that's just like willing to work for any agency. It's like, no, I don't need a, a utility person. I need someone who's targeted who's targeted my agency and wants to work for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what, and that's just, that's just the basic thing. And when, when kids are desperate, they'll just like email anyone and everyone and not think about. So fair, I'm going to let you keep going on that like, point because camera's gone off, but it's a, it's a really good point. So okay, keep going. No worries, yeah. Keep giving advice. I think it's interesting because, um, because you have to kind of build these relationships and connections with people you've never met and you want that person to hopefully get you, give you a job. So how do you, how do you do that? Well, it's just nice to be polite and maybe even admit, you know, that um, you don't know me, but it'd be really good if we could work together. Absolutely. Um, do you want to cut it off here and then just reset again? The camera's died. That's fine. Um, how long have we been talking for? So it's been an hour and 47. Uh, I thought the battery lasted longer than that. Um, but yeah, let's just... Should we pause the podcast? Should we end the podcast? What should we do? Uh, Commercial break. Commercial break. (laughs) Uh, Do you need to charge that or? Yeah, we'll be back in uh, a bit. Yeah. (laughs) What's up, bitches? Brought to you by the motherfucking cash app. (laughs) Record that as a blooper. Is it? That's recorded it. So, Elon, why can't we use elk meat to propel us to the moon? Do you do you eat elk? It's like, oh no, I'm I'm not a vegetarian. I I only eat elk like the whole year round. Look at these, look at these MAGA guys. They're such bitches. <laughs> ben Shapiro is a friend of mine. I love Ben. Like we have such great conversations with Ben Shapiro. You know what I mean? He's got his things, doesn't he? He just like says like yeah, it's, it's very me. easy to be like stereotype for Jerry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're back. We're back. That was a very nice commercial break. Is it on? I think so, yeah. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on. <laughs> uh, I think I'm on, yeah. You're on. You're turned on. Okay, good. That was a very good commercial break. I learned a lot during that. Um, I think in a way, like, just reflecting on what we've been talking about today, we've kind of covered a lot of areas where we've had a little bitch about things, but also kind of looked at... I feel like we've looked at stuff in quite an enlightened way. You know, um, there's no real right or wrong answer to any of these things. There's only There's only an approach... And especially in such weird trying times, you have to just kind of like look at things. You know, it is what it is. But if you can change the situation you're in and adapt, reach out to people, talk to more people, look after yourself, work on your craft, work on your CV, you know, do all those things. That's the only thing you can really, really do. And if you're in a in a, in a, um, a comfortable situation where you can do that, then I would say that that'd be my plan from here on in. Because... I wanted to ask, like, oh, what are your plans, you know, now that mm. you're in London and such? Which is obviously a very difficult question because you can't put things into place. But do you have any plans? Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the moment, it's just to 
get get my head down. I think and like do as best as I can for for Arsenal um, for for the job, build up a good reputation in the footballing community, um, enjoy time away from work, play football, uh, find a girlfriend. Uh, wow, what a list! Uh, yeah, it's quite a few things. Yeah. Find a girlfriend comes after play football. <laughs> I think that's because that will come first. I think I think it'd be easy to play football. True. <laughs> you are in London football. as well. I'm sure you'll meet lots of girls down here, even if it's not uh, on a night out or something. <laughs> You've got a whole plethora of dating apps that you can use. Yeah, yeah, it's actually well, well we're on them. We're on them. We're, we're trying. Um, the dating scene down here is actually quite interesting. Going off stories that I've heard and obviously some of my own as well, maybe. Uh, but like, it's it's interesting. It's yeah, it's. it's it's a journey. So then, yeah, I think that's, that's a good. I think that's a really nice point, though. It is a journey. We'll all learn over the next two hundred podcasts. It will be a journey. We'll keep improving. Some of the stuff I say today may not be what I think in two hundred episodes. We'll see where it goes. It's interesting though. Two hundred episodes and all those guests. I mean, I've been on two of them already. This being the third one, it's it's interesting for me because I look back at the first time I spoke to you on our episode. Mm. And it was just, hi, I'm me. This is how I got into it. These are some of the things that I think about when I do it. Oh, this is how I got into it again. And this is how I do it. Oh, this is how I got into it. And once I've kind of got that out of the way, because there is a point where I will reply back to like um, blogs and interviews, magazines and stuff like, oh, how did you get into it? It's kind of, it's quite stuck now. Mm -hmm. But being able to share more kind of thoughts, opinions, and they are all, they're, they're all just opinions. They're not like, this is gospel, this is how you should do it. You know, I don't think any designer should be telling people, this is how you should do it. Mm-hmm. They should always slant it as, this is how I did it. And however you do it will be a... Oh, you could do it sort of thing, yeah, yeah, it'll be a take on how yeah. I did it. And But it's been nice to be able to kind of have that platform to share that and and, you know, well, first, thanks for having me on your 200th mm-hmm. episode. And... I kind of feel like I'm excited to see what you'll do um, for your 201st, 202nd. Want to record it? <laughs> really? That's good. Yeah, yeah, That's they're good. already done. You're like a machine. 215th, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you see, you have a good work ethic. Like, this is something that you do in your spare time. Mm-hmm. It's not something that, like, it's your full time job, but you treat it like it's a full time job as well as your other full time job. And I kind of think that. You know, if there are people that have been listening or, you know, even if new people start getting into this, I think they should be able to appreciate like the work that you put into it. And, you know, that's something I reflect on as well. Like how much work have I put into my career outside of work hours? And it's not something that I feel like I've got to do this. It's just something Mm -hmm. I want to do. And it's, you know, all those hours spent yields results. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you probably feel the same way. It yields results. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think the network. This is this was a, basically a fun way of building a network. That's what it. Mm. I, I figured it out. It's, it's, mm. it's literally what it was. Um, whereas you know, you can spend hours on LinkedIn, like messaging, connecting. But the, the thing with having conversations is, is you get more more personal and you start building up actual relationships quicker. Mm, whereas true. on LinkedIn, you can, you can do it on LinkedIn, but it takes longer. It, yeah, it's true. I LinkedIn's think, a good like introductory point, I think. I think you should definitely start, if anyone hasn't started a LinkedIn profile and gotten on LinkedIn, I think that's mm. currently the best place to be. It's amazing. I remember when I first started LinkedIn and I saw the potential for it. <clears throat> and 
in the early days of LinkedIn, I just had like a basic profile and I used to um, just post pictures of my murals and artworks and stuff. And it gained a lot of traction because the people that worked in offices that needed artwork for the offices or people that had studio spaces where, where they could see an artist and go, oh, this guy does murals on office walls and studio walls. Let's get this guy on board. Uh, but now, like, it, it feels different. There are more and more illustrators and artists and graphic designers using LinkedIn now posting images and posting all this kind of stuff. So it's almost like the alternative of what the Facebook timeline used to be, like, mm. 10 years ago. Um, so it is a useful tool. And it's actually quite interesting how you could just kind of think, I would like to maybe work for the BBC Sports section. And you just type in BBC Sports and find the person who, oh, this is the... This is the art director or this is the commissioning editor or whatever. And so I kind of think like you've got that as your tool, you know, and but then just not get into that um, pattern of thinking where, well, I've got in touch with them, they haven't got back to me. And it's like, well, you and probably a thousand other people. Yeah. You yeah. have to kind of think about this. You know, there's tears to it. And just because someone didn't get back to you. Um, you got to think about your approach. I think that's the. Yes. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I think a lot of people approach it oh, in the wrong way. Yeah. Um, Will actually, Will, Will Ray, Ray, Ray. Oh, Ray, yeah, Ray. Will Ray, Ray. <laughs> Will Ray. Sorry, yeah. like Chris Ray. Um, yeah, he goes some really good advice on his episode of how you don't go straight in there asking for a job. Like build up a network, build up, build up a relationship with a person, and then you know, ask people around them how what sort of work they've been to, like mm. how to get the job, but go at it from sort of around the back sort of point of view. Like you can't, you can't go straight at it, otherwise you, you put them off. You know, the scary thing is... Being different. Well. Yeah, go on. The scary thing is when I used to do, um, when I first started off and I was getting like all these contacts and doing these murals and everything, I actually didn't do that much networking. My work was doing all the talking for me. Mm. So that's another case in point if you're not a good networker if you're clever about how you display the work and how you share it that's fine but the scary thing it's is it's a good level as well though because yeah that's the thing it wasn't at a good level because that was like 10 that was like 10 years ago mm. my work 10 years ago was fucking rubbish i have mm. pictures and i do not i took i've taken them all down from like websites and stuff they might be floating around somewhere on blogs but my first murals were awful but yet it's like even I was getting work. <laughs> well, they're good for the time though. Like, because we all look back in 10 years and we always say, oh, it's bad. Everyone does that. I don't think so. I used to do the murals with Sharpie pens. You know, Sharpies on white wall, like after a while it gets that horrible like sheen. They haven't <laughs> aged well. They don't age well. And I, I'd be surprised if they haven't been painted over. But like, they didn't have, this, <clears throat> they didn't have the same line quality, same line thickness or anything like that. So... I may find I may dig them up and show you later, but you know they weren't they're not that good, and I'm being very objective about it. But I was still getting work back then, mm. so that means if it's, you know back then, I, now I can reflect back and see I was a shit muncher. I wasn't that great. I wasn't that good. <laughs> so if a shit muncher like me back then could get work, then I'm sure other people, <laughs> yeah, better shit munchers than me back then could get work now. <laughs> you know, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> Open dictionary that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good. It's a, That's a positive, it's, right? It's a positive point. <laughs> a stranger going around it. I like it. Um, no, but you're, you're right. There's there's lots of positives. In coronavirus, obviously, 2020 not a great year for a lot of people. But mm. look at the positives. Don't always be a negative Nelly. Um, you got to <laughs> yeah. look at the positive side of things. And, Within reason, yeah. But yeah, like if if you're in a position where you can be positive, then 
try and latch on to positivity more than you can latch on to like you know like oh you know why me and all this kind of thing everyone's different right everyone's different it's obvious that we're we're a little bit more kind of like we don't like sitting still and we don't like um things dictating how we do things so we're a bit more kind of like get up and go and i I think that's the way i was raised as well my parents just they wouldn't allow me to like wallow on things but my best friends know that i'm an overthinker and i wallow but also during this time i think it's just i'm just thankful that i've kind of latched onto like more like mindfulness and being able to kind of see my situation see for what it is and kind of go it's not that bad so i have a chance to better myself better my situation and if I can do that, I can hopefully better other people's situations around me. And, you know, that's, that's how that's how great change comes from within, right? <laughs> good points, good points. You know. I, I, I think the, the word for mindfulness is perspective as well. Like this, uh, uh, mindfulness can seem a bit... Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> I, I think it um, can seem a bit sort of, uh, I don't know, not soft, soft's not really the right word. Be like a bit sort of fairy sort of... Oh, mindfulness. Mm. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. And, have you, have, uh, you, uh, is, is have you spoke about or laid out tangible. the definition of the seven Ps? Uh, I haven't um, properly yet. I know it's something you told me to do, and yeah, I know. Well, we did it on the, a little bit on the podcast, yeah. but it wasn't. We weren't really all on board on the same page. Yeah. Uh, I like the I like illustrating the seven Ps for you because it kind of yeah. made me. Because as an illustrator, you're kind of like, oh, what does it mean to me, and how do I put it into an image? So for people who don't know, the, the seven Ps is is like a. It's almost like a, a list of words beginning with P. Well, it is a list beginning of words beginning with P that uh, is, is is something that I think about very regularly. And um, if I have most of them in line or all of them in line, I'm on the right sort of road. Um, I'll just go through them uh, if I can remember what they are. Uh, <laughs> I do think about, I do think about them a lot, and they they pop up. That's good because you've got like patience, persistence, passion, portfolio, portfolio. That's seven, isn't there? That's four. Uh, <laughs> Persistence. Did that one. Yeah. Uh, wait, I'll Perspective. Client's my own website. All right. Perspective's one. <laughs> Podcast isn't one. No. <laughs> God, I've forgotten them. All right, here we go. So this, this is a list, a list of words, which I do honestly think about a lot, even though I can't remember them. But I think, I, I really do feel like if you have most of these in line, Using the Jordan Peterson hands up aligning things, but um, if you have things in line like th- these, where if you've got them all down, you've got them nailed, you've got your portfolio nailed, you've got your patience nailed, and you're going to be on the right road. Um, so here we go: passion, p- patience, persistence, principles. That could be design principles and your own. All of these are my own principles. <clears throat> portfolio, perspective, process, purpose, and then there's a few others. People, practice, pay, and pride. So um, yeah, so so. Have some have some values in your life. And yeah, have some values. Them. Yeah, because yeah. you don't go into you know a creative industry without having some kind of background values. You know, like why do you want to be, hmm. uh, you know, a designer or typographer or artist designer or whatever. Yeah, well, and also if you have values, and you can <clears> say <throat> if things fit you or not, or you can you can judge things against those values. If you have a core principle, and this was sort of why I tried to figure out like. What is my life all about? Why am I going this deep philosophical route? What do I need to do in my life? What do I need to make it successful? I think having these values sort of gives me a little bit of that sort of guidance, um, and and does it does does whatever I'm doing today aid my portfolio? Does does chatting with you 
mean that I can uh, have a better process by learning mm. something from you or um, have, have more or does it aid the passion side of things and it does it takes <clears> all <throat> those boxes and yeah so I think I think it's good to have values it's um, a great paradigm I've never even written a manifesto for myself as to like why I do this but that's but that's just my personality my personality is quite I do the thing that I want to do and I plan a little bit I you know I'm I'm not a very organized person, even though I live in a world where I have to be organized. I have to be slightly rigid with how I approach things. But <clears throat> spiritually, I'm quite like kind of, th- you know, I'm free in a way. I try not to tie myself down to things mm-hmm. as much. Um, like I could have, you know, like I think a year and a half ago, I was looking to like, oh, maybe I might buy a house in Sheffield and then, you know, just root down in Sheffield and bed myself down. And I really thought about it. And I was like, I have my entire life to do that. But I don't, you know, but like I have my entire life where I could go down to London. I felt like, no, let's go to London first and kind of do a little bit more growing. Because I kind of feel like, I don't feel like I've grown as much like in the past decade. No, 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 that's a lie. I have, but I want to grow more. And it doesn't mean that like, I'll, I'll become a different type of illustrator, a different type of creative, but just grow as a person. A little bit more and work on a few things you know like we could all work on ourselves a little mm. bit more and then that feeds into the work more it feeds into the workflow it feeds into the way you approach the work it feeds into the way like how much more passionate you become about talking about it involving people yeah. which is what we do like a lot of the stuff that we do allows us to kind of meet other people and involve them in that circle and you know share ideas share approaches and I guess I guess that's what you've done over the past 200 episodes you've shared different approaches with mm. people and discussed them and you've not discussed if there's a right or wrong answer because there isn't is there I think this is it I think um, this is a resource to, to to open your mind up to, to listen to other people and, mm. and take the good things from it or leave the bad things you know um, and this is what we do with all resources and podcasts and videos and yeah, coming back to what we talked about earlier, this is a process. We've got to figure ourselves, figure it out for ourselves. But um, yeah, it's a good thing. I think we'll be all right. I'm pretty happy where I'm well. Um, the podcast in general, I think it's, it's been incredible for for me as, as, you know, to learn things and talk to people and build my own network up. And yeah, got me to amazing places. Got me to America. Like <clears throat> like going to Creative South has only come off the back of that. And Crazy Wolf Alive and the amazing night we had there and all the, the events I've done in the past. Yeah, it's incredible if you actually stop and think about all the things it's led to. Um, maybe I should make a list or something. But Maybe you should make a uh, montage. Yeah. Fade in, <laughs> fade need, out. I don't need any more editing. To, <laughs> it's a lot of editing. Yeah. Um, you should, you know, like I think, I think you should definitely line up. I'm going to create some more work for you. You should do top 10 points about being a graphic designer top 10 points from all your episodes you pick out the top 10 <clears throat> top 10 points of being a freelance illustrator top 10 ways of getting work top 10 this is this is something that we i want to do with the the podcast website and it's mm-hmm. it's more complicated than i think um because it because we, we have I'm having, we're trying to set, uh, have conversations which are based around topics now so it's easier to do that like the Mike Jander one which was fantastic is it completely nailed pricing pretty mm-hmm. much um, and then we're going to have another conversation in the future and build on it but we're going to try, 
try and what's right <laughs> try and have more conversations like Don't that cough on me please where we're uh, <laughs> where we're um, <clears throat> yeah talking about specific things and, and then the website will hopefully become a bit of an encyclopedia um, wow that'd be very very good actually to, uh, to share but the other thing which I've already got listed on the website but it's all privated and um, I just need to build out all the blog posts for it is literally 150 resources for people to go and check out free resources free mock-ups fonts and all sorts of stuff websites Damn. they're amazing I just need to do it I just need to yeah, so it's you time. Do it when it's you time. need to do it. It's, it's, it is time and, and balancing everything. So um, it is coming, uh, and we're doing well. But That's exciting. That's great. There, there's so many good things coming, but uh, yeah, it's just just figuring out when I can do it, when I can be asked to do it, when I actually want to do it, and all sorts. But the good thing is, it's 200 episodes. I'm sure there'll be 200 more. Well, this is a again, it's a passion project as well, isn't it? So you. I don't think, you know, you're not running it like it's a nine-to-five job, even though your approach is kind of like, to me, like a nine-to-five job. It is a passion project. So, you know, you don't have to put any pressure on yourself unless you want to and pressure helps you helps you work. I always say pressure is the best spice, but then... I do like a lot of pressure yeah, um, when it comes to yeah. putting stuff out and getting things done. Um, like deadlines, always, you have to get stuff. Mm. But, yeah, recently it's been up. This is why the, the social media on Creative Waffle has, has died a little bit in the last couple of weeks. I'm sorry for people out there listening. Um, it, yeah, it's just got on a bit too much. And um, I need to do a better job of distributing it to, to Melinda Cube as well. But yeah, so. No, just being too self critical, I think, because it seems like you release quite a lot of content quite regularly anyway. Well, there's three of us now. Um, I think we, we can, if I can release podcasts on my own and put up social media. Um, a post each week for the podcast a clipping and things I think the three of us should be able to do it so yeah so we need to get that sorted and we'll get sorted um, good no I like that did you want to wrap it up or are you carry on? I guess uh, we could wrap it up I mean else? like I kind of feel like I don't want to keep repeating myself um, it's been a very insightful chat yeah it's, it's been, been good more, yeah it's been insightful and you know I guess yeah yeah we can wrap it up well I mean um have ourselves a Corona beer. <laughs> uh, so thank you very much for people listening. And it's been an incredible journey. Um, 200 episodes is it's a huge milestone. Unbelievable amount of work. If you look back on it, um, incredible opportunities it's given me and everything. So yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for watching or, or wherever you find us. And yeah, here's to another 200 episodes, I suppose. Um, Nice. And thank you for having me on this as well, on your 200th episode. It's been really, really good. Very insightful again. There's always something that I kind of pick up on that's new every time we chat. And yeah, let's hope that by the time it gets to 300, we'll be outside again, hugging, (laughs) high-fiving, whatever. No Corona. (laughs) But Corona beer. But Corona beer. Um, Yeah, no, thank you. And good night. See you soon. See you next week for another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. (laughs) Cue jingle.